Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blinding passion, they call you to join them all into the order. That Satan has designed Men getting ready to sell their soul For a chance to receive his fire Jesus. Father, I personally want to thank you in front of the entire listening audience for the time that I had off. Uh, even though it, you know, not every single day was full of uh, family presence and other people, it was a blessing to uh, have those uh, who I see so amazingly rarely uh, to be here at the house helping to do the different things that we did and how well the food turned out and everything. And I just want to praise you for that. I want to thank you for the time that I had off. And I also want to thank you, Father, for the high anxiety that I have as I make the transition uh, from uh, a kind of like a almost like a uh, uh, an imaginary world um, of a time long, long, long ago uh, for me, 40 plus years, easily 40 plus years ago, probably 45, uh, maybe more, uh, where many of us remember a time when days were easier. Uh, The things that we hear that offend us today that are everywhere were not present ever. Um, It it doesn't mean that life was perfect. It has never been perfect, but it's never been as dark as it has been in the last five years, for sure. I believe that the depth of the darkness and what we're seeing right now so far outshines the horrors associated with Sodom and Gomorrah, that we will live in a continuous state of dismay, and that 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 dismay will be a result of our humanness, the human nature that is baked into our very existence, even though we fight to walk uh, continuously in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. But yet, at the same time, it's exceedingly difficult not to you know, see the things that are happening around us and to be absolutely disgusted and have a very, very hard time understanding why, Father, that you would even allow the things to get as bad as they have become 
but yet at the same time remembering that it is your mercy and your love for millions, is it billions maybe, of people that you seek to bring around to the kingdom with our help, in many cases through dreams and visions, through the presence of angels in the middle of the night, through the visiting of uh, missionaries uh, on site in different parts of the world. And Father, we know that this is, you know, you are the one who understands what the fullness of the Gentiles actually means. And all the other mathematics, all the other speculation, all the other dreams and visions, all the other things that people are setting dates to, which they're doing right now, big time, bigger than I've seen in a long time, none of that matters. None of it matters. It doesn't mean diddly. We've listened to thousands upon thousands of videos, YouTube YouTube videos of people who appear certainly through the video screen to love you with all of their heart, and they seem to say all of the right words, but the things that they predict never come true. And we've been going through this for well over, I guess, it's a pro- quickly approaching 12 years as soon as we circle around into the new year. And, Father, we just praise you for that level-headedness that you have forced us to adopt in our walk, Um, that level-headedness that comes along with facing a kind of a gruesome reality, really, when it comes right down to it, and clinging to to the things that we are promised through hope and faith, uh, and, and those becoming first, you know, in the very forefront of our existence, to be able to, you know, say praise you father and thank you father between meetings and and impossible assignments and uh just just this unbelievable un- unbelievable humongous list of trials and tribulations that never they never go get they never go away we might get them down to the last two and we think we're making progress and then four more will appear and they will each one of them will you know sometimes they'll seem easy and other times they'll they'll seem easy and then they turn out to be really horrible or terrible and um and we and we're just we just have to go with the flow we have to say k okay, sarah sarah we got to give it all over into your hands father god and we got to come to a place where our existence is one of acceptance our existence is one of a mission that we've been given them probably millions maybe billions of years ago and we have to accept that mission we got to do it with grace in our hearts with the love and compassion of the lord jesus no matter how filthy and abominable all that around us appears to be and and is definitely getting worse we praise you for the people that are being awakened we praise you for the people that are probably marginal believers at best certainly foolish virgins at their greatest hope and yet we praise you for them because father we see people who believe or say they believe in jesus but and and they're just awakening in numbers like i have never seen in my entire life and i praise you for that it's a different level of awakening they don't see the things they don't see all the things that you have blessed us with being able to see but it is a step in the right direction because acts 2 verses uh uh you know uh 21 uh, i'm sorry uh two, two uh is it 7 through 21 i believe it is and the last one saying and all those who call out upon the name of the lord shall be saved father and that is a special promise a special blessing for the days that we are in right now, it even calls out blood, fire, and vapor of smoke as a prerequisite, and those are some very dark judgment periods that we are on the forefront of entering into, and we just give you all the praise and honor. We thank you for awakening us. We thank you for the unbelievable number of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, 70 times seven that you have given all of us as we continue to try ever so much harder 
to do a better job. It, it, as the volume gets turned up, as the darkness gets darker, as the sickness and the twisted abominations around us, the things that are force-fed upon us, uh, the threats that come upon our very uh, ability to survive, and these things are ever increasing around about us, the threats upon our jobs, the threats of homelessness, the, the, and, and, to, and to think that, you know, and, and to not ever embrace this notion in our head that we are somehow special and, and invulnerable to those things, because we're not. The only thing you have promised us, Jesus, was food and clothing, and not to worry, and put our trust in you. And we, I pray in Jesus' name, every single listener of this program, as we make this transition out of the holiday season, uh, the Thanksgiving holiday season here in the United States of Babylon the Great, which for many, including myself, is even a bigger uh, more family-oriented, um, uh, you know, feast-type event, uh, and and uh, then then Christmas, and and for me anyway, for me it's it's definitely a big, much much bigger event than Christmas, and I just want to, you know, not in the sense, that, you know, I'm not talking about Lord, you know, I'm talking about commercial Christmas. So anyway, um, I just wanted to say praise you, Father. Thank you, Father, for all of us. Let us all gracefully enter into it. In other words, with peace and love and kindness and and compassion upon our hearts and long-suffering, looking at the, when we do unfortunately stumble across the things that we wish we could unsee, to actually have true compassion in our hearts and pray for those people because they are demon-possessed, powerfully powerfully demon-possessed, and without our continuous remembrance and prayer, their opportunities are going to be few and far, if at all. And Father, so many are going to be lost, but so many are also going to be saved. And we pray in the name of Jesus as the days grow darker, that our prayers will grow ever stronger. And now to him, our Lord Jesus, who's able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, dominion, power, and majesty forever and ever. Amen.
Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So um, some of you may be able to uh, relate uh, to what was embedded in my prayer to the Lord, which was very heartfelt. Uh, and that is uh, the transition. Uh, you know, if I if I take a three-day weekend off or something like that and I disconnect for a little bit and get a little bit of peace and quiet, not thinking about the end of the world stuff. I mean, even when I'm doing the prayer vigil, as much as I love to do the prayer vigil, I'm still dealing with um, reports of lots of people dying, lots of body parts being cut off of children. I I can't, you know, unless I totally disconnect from all of it, I never get a break uh, because it haunts you. It really does. It haunts you, and you got to praise your way. It's like that song that I play a lot of times on a prayer vigil. Uh, it's this one right here. You know, pray. Pr- you know, uh, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong one. This one here. Pray, praise the pain away from Dan, from Brother Dan. He doesn't like. He doesn't like me to refer to him other than Brother Dan. But it's uh, entitled "Praise the Pain Away," and that I used to think of that as being a healing song, but. Um, then I woke up. <laughs> okay, it's not about healing. It's not about oh my gosh, I have osteoarthritis or whatever or what into you know, that kind of thing. It's the pain is what we feel when we enter back into this realm. Now, you could say, for example, there are teachings. You know, Andrew Womack has a, a teaching. And he says it's you know our, the battle is all in your mind. That's one of the titles of one of the uh, teachings that he does. It's pretty good. Um, and there's a lot to that in, in this sense. Oh my gosh! And don't even get me going. If I had if I had Joy Jeffries Pew on this program, she would go off on the pineal gland for like three hours straight, and we'd have to like clip her little the little cord with the circle on the back of it that you pull. You know, because <laughs> she would go off. And there's so much new evidence, and so much new scientific. D- stuff, studies and things coming out that are peer-reviewed and and highly respected, very detailed about the pineal gland, uh, and uh, and it's it's unknown and remarkable effect on the human body. Now, unfortunately, now it's a wonderful joy for Joy to have zeroed in on that in her early research, and praise the Lord for that. Um, I had even written uh, an article a very, very long time ago, back in 2010, about the uh, pineal gland, uh, and uh, that uh, fluoride was being used to attack the the, the efficacy uh, or usefulness of the pineal gland. Um, so that that was a big wake-up call. I thought, oh wow, they got fluoride in the water, and it attacks the pineal gland, and that's the gateway into our spiritual realm and blah, 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 and that kind of thing. But the point, I, I, let me circle back, though. Let me digress for just a second. So, you know, the, 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 the abominations that we have to, you don't really, you know about them, but sometimes you got to cut the, you got to cut the cord. You just got to get the gourd. You need a break. You got to go to Bora Bora. You got to stare up at the sunshine a little bit. You got to, you know, you just got to get a break. Well, you know, and I think a lot of us will take advantage of the holiday seasons and, you know, and the and the festivities, and I don't believe God would begrudge them to us. In fact, I would believe with all of my heart that he would want us to have that time with family, particularly knowing that the days that we're going to be entering into and are already in the midst of are, well, they're pretty bad, and they're going to get a lot worse. And, uh, you know, an understanding, you know, of course, it's real, real, real hard to not be fearful of becoming homeless, not be fearful of getting kicked out of your house, not be fearful of all the things that could happen, especially when you have children in your family and all the other things. But we do have to come to a place where we really trust God. And that and, and I talk about this a lot, mainly because 
it's been the hardest part of my I've been through some hell. I mean, oh gosh. I should be in a psychiatric ward eating mush peas, drooling on myself and speaking in Swahili. But most as a matter of fact most Christians that you know, unless they've known me for a really long time and they you know, if I sit down with a Christian like my sisters or one of my family members, one of them, in, in fact, is a preacher. If you know, if I, when I tell them the things that I've gone through, they, they, they're, they're astonished. I mean, you know, they're stupefied. They 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 say things like, "I don't even understand how you can function," and you know, things like that. How in the world did you get through that? You know, and because um, they're astonished, they've never heard any testimony as. Trials and tribulations loaded as my own personal testimony, and it never stops. We never stop looking over our shoulders, but we, but we get peace by coming to a place which I have not arrived at. I would love to be fully there, and I can't I, – I just – oh, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm like a little kid, and I'm afraid. I know I'm not supposed to be afraid, but I am afraid, and I admit it before Jesus, that I am afraid of – what I might have to go through to come to the full realization of total trust in God. Because the, the way God shows you that is very similar to the dynamic of, uh, you know, uh, Abraham and Isaac and, and the knife. You know, God wants to bring us multiple times, not just once. You don't, just, you don't pass the test doing it once. Forget that noise. You're going to have to pass the test, and it's going to get increasingly difficult, and it'll be multiple iterations of the test, and they'll be different every single time, and you will not see them coming, and you'll be like, you will be like, because God wants to tempt, I don't, tempt is the wrong word, God wants to bring you to a place where you are being appropriately tested in all aspects of your walk, means you've got to be tested to 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 deal with things that are absolutely beyond intolerable that would that would freak anybody out if they had to go through them they would strike the fear of god in the hearts of anybody that would have to go through them and even the anticipation of having to go through some of those things is uh, it's not even acceptable it's it's horrific to think about it and it will keep you up at night and you will freak out um, and so especially when you have a, a many, many threat vectors like job, house, insurance, cars, um, whether or not you're going to keep your job, seeing other people getting fired all around you, always stressors, always stressors, the state of the economy, the amount of layoffs that are being announced, all that stuff in the midst of all of that, that's a mess. Uh, you know, the big list. And um, and I, I left tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff out. Um, and a lot of people are going through all of it, or a lot of people are going through some subset of it. Uh, but what God will do is he's, it's going to be attack waves. You know, the Lord God tests the righteous. So when you come to a place, sometimes I just, when I disconnect, I just don't, I don't want I, I, I won't even do spiritual warfare prayers. I'll take even a couple of days off from that because, um, you know, it's like uh, it's like a soldier that's, um, you know, and this is purely an earthly uh, metaphor to, uh, you know, create a type of an analogy uh, of what it's like to be a spiritual soldier for the father. But, you know, it, there comes a point where uh, you've taken so many bullets, you know, so many fiery darts. You've been, you know, just beaten down because it is true 
war. You are going through real battles, and there will be trials, tribulations. There will be anxieties. There will be times when you can't sleep at night. There will be times when you are under attack, and you're going to be like, this can't be happening to me again. I don't believe it's happening. I'm, and God is looking for you to shake your fist at him. That's what he's looking for. He's trying to bring you to the end of your rope. When you get to a point where you can get to the end of your rope and you can live, okay, with the idea that you're at the end of your rope, you're walking across the Grand Canyon on a piece of frayed dental floss and 60-mile-an-hour wind gusts, and you're okay with it. That's where the Lord wants to bring every one of us. And obviously for some really good reason, which is kind of horrific even thinking about it. And they imagine that the cloud of witnesses are up in heaven cheering us on and that maybe even according to some testimonies that are highly credible, if you ask me, we may have asked for the missions that we're on right now. Now, I am reasonably certain that we did not stand before our Father and, or Jesus and say, you know, Lord, I'd like to go down, uh, you, know, uh, you know, right before your coming, right before the rapture, uh, and help bring in, you know, the, you know, the harvest, as many people, and bring in people's souls to heaven. I'd like to do all of that. You know, I, I can see us volunteering for that. However, I'm pretty sure we didn't volunteer for all the other stuff. I think if Jesus would have said, you know, I'm going to put you through some pretty horrible stuff. I'm going to put you through some horrible stuff, some stuff that you will not even believe in your wildest imaginations that you would allow me to go, you know, that you would have to go through. But that's part of the conditioning, because when we drink from the cup of forgetfulness, Isaiah 56, uh, the valley, it refers to it as the valley of forgetfulness. When, when we went through that, um, that was part of the deal. That was part of the judgment. We had, had to not remember. We had the acuity. It was spiritual acuity that allowed us to be able to accept it, to, to realize that it is true, to understand who we are in the universes of beings, the trillions of life forms, the, the untold numbers and quadrillions. I didn't even know I was using the term quadrillion. I didn't even know it. I actually have a statistic on the radio show that was pulled up by a news media outlet uh, talking about something. I'll get to it. But they actually said uh, they used the term quadrillion. <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't even really, you know, I know that every word is technically a number, but I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, so, yeah, it, it, you know, we, you know, it, when you have your holiday and praise God for each and every one of you that has that was blessed by the Lord and we pray in the name of Jesus Father for anybody who was who was blessed with less as the scripture says better a dry morsel with peace than a room full of feasting with strife Father we just praise you for whatever it was that you did bless us with we praise you for every drink of water. We praise you for every time we put clothes on. We praise you for every time we're not standing outside in cold, heavy downpour of rain. We praise you for every time we're not in agonizing pain where we can barely stand another moment without a morphine drip. We praise you, Father God, for all of the blessings that you have given us, the health that, that maybe our, we hope that our children have, that we can continue to pray for them and bring them to a new place. We praise you for putting us on holy ground and allowing us to be able to minister and touch other people's lives, whether it be through prayer or direct um, uh, you know, counsel. 
We praise you for the air that we're breathing right now because it is not toxic at the moment. We praise you for uh, in not allowing us to be horribly uh, damaged permanently for the rest of our lives through the evil that has been unleashed upon the world through Satan's hands directly, through these ambassadors of the evil, shape-shifting filth that has been allowed to take over this world. And, Father, we stand behind you 100%. For at midnight we will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I believe it's Psalm 119, verse 26, I think. And we will, Father, we will give you praise because we know that when the darkness grows, when, the, when things become even more horrific, more people will awaken. Those who can be awakened will be awakened. Those who have the spiritual acuity will come to a place of an awakening, even though they've been hugging pillow prophets now for the last 35 or 40 years, having no idea what the Seven Mountains means. And they think that Trump is going to be beamed magically back into the uh, office of the presidency even today because they're listening to people who are not really going to heaven. But it's okay. Father, we pray for every single one of them. We pray for all of those who are jumping on the bandwagons. We pray for those who are jumping on the December 7th bandwagon. We pray for those who are jumping on the January 20, uh, the January uh, 2023 bandwagon. We, we praise you, Father God, for these cycles, these hyper cycles that happen all the time. They've happened for 11 years. Every time things get a there's two triggers, two triggers that cause hypercycles. Hypercycles are when Christians get a hold of YouTube. That's, that's, they believe that that's their ministry. And then they start telling us how Jesus told them this and Jesus told them that. And the quickest way to know that you, you're not hearing from Jesus is a date. When you get a date, you can just take it and put it on shelf E. You can go, well, I'm glad, thank you, praise God, that I was enlightened to know that there is a one in a quadrillion chance that that might happen. But as a general rule, if a date is stated, it will never happen. If 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 they say this fall something is going to happen, see, I I'm always very disappointed when I when someone sends me a YouTube or whatever the case is that says there's going to be you know. Like Jesus is coming this fall, you know, because I, I just know from experience that when that prediction comes out, I don't care if they think they had, you know, a cup of tea with Jesus, you know, in heaven the night before. There's a fake heaven that was propped up by Satan. It's very convincing. A lot of the Seven Mountains people have been taken there, and it's a lie from the devil. That's why they say ridiculous things like the, the queen, the shape-shifting, reptilian, horrific, evil, baby-killing entity that that thing was, that, that thing they referred to as the queen uh, out of the house of Windsor. How dare somebody say that that person is in heaven? It's just not acceptable. And, Father, we just pray that you will have mercy upon them, you will have mercy upon us, that you will forgive us for all of our sins. Every time we have something enter into our heart that shouldn't have entered in there, Remember that we are dust. Help us to recognize when we've misstepped or maybe wobbled a little bit on the narrow path or even worse case, you know, maybe just crashed right through the guardrails or or maybe we're at the bottom of the well. Maybe we didn't pass the test real good this time, but we just ask you to constantly be at our side and to forgive our brothers and sisters who do not understand. Father, they truly do not know what they do. They have been sucker-punched by Satan directly, and it's confusing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, even more so in the days that we are in right now. Even though, Lord Jesus, you explicitly stated that there would be uh, false prophets all over the place. You didn't say crummy false prophets. You didn't say ones that were unbelievable or incredible or dressed strangely or whatever. You just said they'd be everywhere. 
And does a false prophet have to be a bad person or just deceived? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Kids, are you ready? It's about time we wrap up all these Thanksgiving. And, you know, my whole point is if you're in at all like me, and you may not be, you might be like, no, you, you're a raving lunatic. You belong in, you know, uh, uh, on floor six of the town and country psychiatric ward. And, uh, and uh, but I listen to you because you're entertaining and, you know, and, and I, I need a little bit of a distraction. And, and then there are some people who are like, you know, you know what? You're right. I do cut the umbilical cord. I don't want to hear all the horrible things that are happening out there. I don't want to see visuals that I can't get out of my head. I don't want to, you know, I don't, I, it, it's disgusting. It's horrific. It's horrible. I don't want to be here. I want to get off this alien demon infested rock. And you know what? You're right there with me. You're right there with me. Because what you'll do, you'll do the same thing that I do. You will take some time off. You will disconnect. And, you know, this is an especially difficult time of the year. Oh, I know everybody always says that and blah, 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 blah. And there's like a 50 quadrillion, there's my favorite word again, 50 quadrillion reasons why, you know, uh, you know, we, we all have our different reasons, you know, why we have pros and cons, and et cetera. But here's the thing. If you're anything at all like me, and I know that there are, I talk to a lot of people that are, and they do to some degree or another. If you disconnect, and why is this especially a dangerous time of the year? Because now... Now, it's not just Hallmark. Now, it's Prime. Now, it's Netflix. Now, it's everywhere you turn, what do you got? You got romantic Christmas movies. Well, let me tell you something. It's it's a pipe dream. But it's a pipe dream that we hunger and thirst for. We hunger and thirst for nice, little, friendly towns where everybody likes everybody. Everybody knows everyone's name, and it's not a rerun of Cheers. Everybody sits down and has cocoa. They like to make cookies. They no, There's no swearing. They think nice things about each other. They're helpful. They, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's a pipe dream. But it feels so good. Can you imagine what it must feel like that day that went when we finally arrived to heaven and we feel that unspeakable, unbelievable, overwhelming love that just resonates through the very, um, I don't know what to call it. I mean, everybody who's ever been to heaven has been blown away by the love, the overwhelming waves of love, supernatural love, and the friendship and the people who we don't even recognize, but they recognize us and they bring us gifts and, 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 and oh, it just it's just so exciting to be there. And to just have a little bit of a taste of cleanness, to have a little bit of a taste of what it might have been like to live in Missoula, Montana in 1942. Well, that's a hard time because you got the World War thing going on. But, you know, in, in, in a particular, you know, maybe 1954 or something. But the point is, you know, you watch these things, you become, you, you immerse yourself in them. And, and why? Because they're it's it's a, it's which we all hunger and thirst for. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We hunger and thirst for holiness. We hunger and thirst for friends that are loving and kind, compassionate, and put put other people's feelings before theirs. We hunger and thirst for people that want to help one another. We hunger and thirst for all of these things because these are all Jesus. Except maybe gingerbread cookies. I don't know if Jesus cooks gingerbread cookies. Kids, do you think Jesus, Jesus does Jesus cook gingerbread cookies? Wow. Well, I guess that's a resounding yes. Let me ask you this. Are they any good? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Do they have some kind of special frosting on them? <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, and then after you, you know, and you immerse yourself in that, and it's a blessing, and then all your nerves and anxieties and stuff just kind of melt away, but then you got to enter back into it. Then you got to enter back into it, and and I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't know what, to, I, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning, I know that we're all learning. Things have definitely not unfolded at anywhere near the rate of speed that we anticipated. Nowhere near it. And so, and right now, like I said, there are hypercycles. I'm getting communications from all over the place. People are in rapture, major event, you know, December the 7th, you know, January 23rd, you know, all kinds of evidence. I just believe this person. I feel in my spirit that this person is anointed by the Holy Spirit and and I, I get it. But homie ain't playing that anymore. I did that for years. 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016. By the way, all of those lovely folks saying the things that they were saying on YouTube with their 50,000 different permutations of how to say Jesus' name. Yahuwah, Yahuwah, Uwah, Uwah, Yah, Yahuwah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why do you make up all these names to call your father? You know, if I'd have walked up to my father and said, Hey, Prowl, how about letting me have an extra cookie? He would have taken his hand and backhanded me off the back of the dining room table. I'd have flown against the wall and left the divot in the drywall. So why is it that everybody wants to disrespect our Heavenly Father by calling him anything except what Jesus called him? Oh, because it's some secret phrase that's going to get you rewards in heaven. I got news for you. No, it isn't. Now, being fascinated by the by the names of God and everything, but thinking it's gonna no, never mind. But anyway, praise God. So, kids, we want to we got to move quickly here because I don't want to hold up Brother um, uh, uh, Brian. So, uh, and we got to get these off our list. So, kids, how do you know a turkey likes his dinner? How do you know a turkey likes his dinner? He gobbles it up. <laughs> you know, come on, gobble. You can work with me here. Hey, come on, kids. All right. We got to get these off the list. Kids, why do turkeys gobble at all? Because they can't talk. Because they can't talk, kids. All right. I thought I might have got dinged on that one. All right, kids. When is the best time to eat a turkey? When someone else cooked it and it's sitting on the table. Boy, I'm going to give a hearty amen for that one. All right, kids? Hey, what do you know about cooking any food, huh? Yeah, well, kids, one more. we got to get it off. the. Okay, here we go. What do you get when you cross a turkey with an octopus? Drumsticks for everyone. <laughs> you know what? I mean. Come on. Drumsticks for what? What? Okay. All right. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I still got another one. Why was the turkey? Why was the turkey the drummer in the band? Because it had drumsticks. <laughs> right? Drumsticks? Come on. Come on now. Don't be hesitating. All right. Praise God. I can see him with those hand signals, Spanky. I don't understand what you're doing over there, but I know you're up to no good because that's kind of what you do. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And on that note, let's head into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is
All right, praise God. Now, um, I'm going to play this little ditty for you because it's something I spotted uh, on Twitter when I do my scans. And again, like I said, I use Twitter to get the very latest of the latest and also to get an opinion poll, a live flowing stream of opinions from lawmakers, highly influential people. Um, They're catching on to the World Economic Forum. They're catching on to Klaus Schwab. They're catching on. Who are they? Lawmakers. Now, what it doesn't appear that they've they ever seem to catch on to is the fact that we're dealing with a global satanic crime syndicate, which is where I really tip my hat to Alex Jones, because he's been saying that for no less than 10 years. And there is a bunch of people just beating the heck out of Elon Musk over not letting Alex Jones come back on Twitter. And the only thing that Elon Musk's tiny little pea-sized brain can come up with as a retort is, um, you know, something about sympathy for the children or something like that. And I'm like, you obviously have no clue what you're talking about whatsoever. And it's just, to me now, it's just become an annoyance. At first, I, I thought it was kind of funny. And, and there's an occasional quip that'll come out with, and I, but forget it, whatever. Um, but anyway, I like to scan Twitter once a day at least, sometimes in the middle of the night if I'm not sleeping very well, because I just want to get the temperament. Where's everybody focusing on? What are they worried about? How awake are the lawmakers? How awake, you know, what can I forgive Hannity for not talking about that he ought to have known, but is obviously avoiding because it's part of the control grid? I want to know those things, and I want to be able to deduce them logically by, able, by, by looking at the people's, you know, what do they post and what are their reactions? And then I can analyze that, and um, and plus there's also posts whereby they post, uh, you know, like they'll, they'll go out. These folks will, will go out, and they will collect live videos that will, they won't be on bandvideo.com. They won't be on BitChute. They won't be on any of those places. By the way, I think they, I think I just got word that they banned BitChute now to, now in France. So everybody's going over to the VPN services like NordVPN and ExpressVPN. They're using them on their phones and things to get around all of the filtering systems that the various country leaders are putting up, the Illuminati or the shape-shifting reptilians. I don't, I don't really clump the Illuminati and the shape-shifting reptilians into one and the same group, although they're, they, they probably consider it to be the case, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But I wanted to share this with you because, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, and who can't use a little bit of funny once in a while? All right, so anyway, um, I did not know about this, but I, I did find out uh, from the posting on Twitter that they have removed it from Twitter. Well, I don't know why. But anyway, this is, uh, as a matter of fact, the question of the postee is, why did Saturday Night Live delete this video? Now, I don't know the answer. I don't care about the answer, but I think it's funny. The actual uh, skit that Donald Trump is involved in, I do not know the year that this occurred, but he's actually doing a skit on Saturday Night Live about chicken wings. All right, so I'm going to play this because we all need a little bit of a smile. Join me at Donald Trump's House of Wings. Trump, you know our wings will make you happy.
Am I saying I'm a chicken wing expert? No. But I can tell you this. The wing is hands down the best part of the chicken. Better than the head, better than the torso, better than the back. And at Donald Trump's House of Wings, you can get them with five different levels of hotness. Regular, hot, three alarm, suicidal, and hell spawn. And if you like celery, congratulations. It's on the house. He had me at the free celery. <laughs> but anyway, I, I never saw this skit, and I saw it. Um, there's amazing things if, if you choose the right people to follow on Twitter, and you have a method for your madness, like I do. Um, you, you will see some very, 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 very troubling things, and then you will see some really, really funny things that have been removed and censored from the Internet from long ago. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The next one, I did not know about this. The next one I'm going to play for you is Ron DeSantis. Now, the thing that makes me sad, I don't like to see a split in the Republican Party. This is when I'm playing the game that it actually matters. Okay, so when I when I allow myself to venture outside of my little Maxwell Smart Jesus filled cone of silence as a citizen of heaven, Philippians three twenty, and I pay attention to the things of the earth. Just just to kind of get my temper, like a mirror cat, pop my head up out of the hole, look to the right, left, look to the left, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, okay, back down in the hole. I don't want to be exposed to the world. I just don't care to. Have no reason to. All right, now, but anyway, um, I spotted this, and I was like, so listen to this. It says, Brian Griffin is the publisher of it. I don't know who this person is, and I don't really care to. But they pub- they put this on Twitter, and they wrote in the text, won't be happening in Florida. Things like the World Economic Forum, those policies are dead on, dead on a rival of Florida. I've, it's, now, first, it's always a very, very bad thing when two potentially strong Republican candidates for the presidency fight amongst one another. And so, yes, I think Donald Trump needs to grow up. I think he's a big baby with a you know, pacifier in his mouth. Um, but anyway, because you don't, you don't attack, you, never. So that's not acceptable ever, ever, ever. And not only that, but what it does is it splits the party. So, and I know that the RNC will sort that all out, blah, 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 and this and that. But it, it doesn't do anything positive for the results of the next election. Let's leave it at that. It's, it's you know, the rally cry, the big red wave, all that. But you know what? They're also, they're putting more Dominion voting machines. They're upgrading the, the Dominion voting machines now. They're doing all kinds of things to prepare for 2024. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But when I heard DeSantis, when I heard this, what I'm going to play for you, I was blown away. I'm going to play, play it for you right now. This... Um, and you need to to spell the word right. It's spelled with a C-H. You know, it's like, you know, chutzvah. Okay, so it's, let's see if I can do it. Chutzpah. There we go. It's C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. Chutzpah. Okay, and it means extreme self-confidence or even audacity audacity. All right. 
And that's really what DeSantis has when he is saying this. He is talking to some of the most powerful, murderous, evil that the world has ever seen. Okay, and he's speaking it forth, knowing that it will be broadcast worldwide and heard by those who at the very family in agonizing, painful death. But he don't care. All right, let's go ahead and listen to this. I want to have the values not of Davos imposed on us, but of places like Destin and Dunedin, where I grew up. Um, Things like the World Economic Forum, uh, those policies are dead on arrival in the state of Florida. Uh, We are not going to go down that road. Imagine that. And, And, of course, what he's talking about is the fact that they're signing away while everybody so somebody had asked me without getting into you know who I was talking to at the time or whatever, and if you know who you are, well praise Jesus. Uh, but um, I was having a conversation with somebody over the Thanksgiving holiday, um, and um, the, the the question came up: What do you think is going to happen next? I, I actually think it might have been my friend Amara in in Mallorca, which is the island. Anyway, by Spain. But anyway, so um, what do you think is going to happen next kind of a thing? Now, it might have been somebody else I was talking to, but but I said to them, really, I think, you know, it's what I think is going to happen next is the whole world is going to turn their head in the direction they're going to. If you're in Germany, you're going to have a different set of problems. If you're in France, you're going to have a different set of problems. If you're in, in Namibia, you're going to have a different set of problems. If you're in Ghana, you're going to have a different set of problems. So. It isn't going to be uniform across the entire world. But as as in general, what I think is going to ultimately happen to the American, you know, Christian, uh, even the ones that are even partially awake, okay, is that they're going to be deceived. They're going to see the House get power back in the hands of the Republicans. There's going to be multiple attempts to, you know, impeach Biden. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. Because there's still going to be Biden, Biden and Obama and Klaus, all these entities will still be gathering. They'll still be drinking blood. Awful, unspeakable horrors. And they will be signing away the Bill of Rights and the Constitution totally, which they've already started working on. And they're pretty much already done, really. Pretty much. And, you know, and everybody's walking around in a state of oblivion. Like, let's pretend that the Republicans in the, in the House do all kinds of fantastic things. Well, if they're, they, you don't know what you don't know, right? So if they are unaware of all the things that are actually happening behind the scenes, which many of them probably are, or, and if they do bring them up, they'll be treated like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist, whatever. All right, so again, we got too many problems with people's ignorance, and sometimes it's willful ignorance, um, and, you know, and it's just not going to, it's a distraction at best. It doesn't mean anything. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Another publish, uh, published uh, tidbit on Twitter uh, from somebody by the name of Jen, Jane Adams says that the banks are over leveraged to the amount of, get this, two quadrillion dollars in what? Derivatives. 
Derivatives are, let's, let's just leave it at this, without getting into all of the if, ands, and buts. Basically, they're like margin, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's like margin trading. It's fake money. It's fake money. And um, and so that's what caused the 2008 housing collapse. But right now they're saying, oh, no, 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 that was just billions. We're talking about two quadrillion dollars in derivatives. The cash is imminent and the economic fallout will be absolutely horrific. OK, and then this individual proves their allegation by printing up a report from a highly trusted banking uh, analysis website and showing the amount of money in derivatives that each one of the, organ the banking organizations has in their possession, which are all it's, it's vaporized money. It's absolutely nothing. There's nothing. It's, it's, it's fake money. Everything's fake. Everything's fiat. OK, because if it's not backed by gold, it's not backed by whatever. I, I get all that. But no, this is worse. This is the kind of stuff that vaporizes like in 60 seconds. <laughs> okay, you know Lehman. You know Lehman Brothers going out of business is going to be a, 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 nothing. We're talking about this. This this will collapse the petrodollar. This will complete the third seal of the Book of Revelation, which is something that we all ought to be looking very much forward to. Although it's kind of <sighs> suck balut to have to go through it. If you don't know what it it's like to suck a balut, then you can type it into Wikipedia and find out. Or I'm sure there's probably some YouTube channel out there with somebody showing you how to eat a balut. I will warn you, though, run away. Don't eat the balut. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Russia Today says, French scientist, and why does my view meter keeps on breaking on me, and then I have no feedback in the thing. I don't know. I'm just going to toss this out just in case Vera is still paying attention. If you are paying attention, Vera, just give me a, a voice sound check, if you would, because, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. There gizmos and gadgets and, and, and flashing lights and wires and things here in the Golden GIB studios ever since Windows 11 have been acting up. All right, next one up again. All right, this report. French scientists continue to give the apocalypse a helping hand, according to this particular article. It says this time by unearthing the most ancient virus ever discovered. And they're not kidding about it. They have a full article written. Uh, this one's published by Russia Today, but it probably has a half a dozen other, even some mainstream, I would suspect, certainly mainstream scientists scientific uh, uh, magazines, and um, 48,500-year-old 40, viruses. It isn't enough that they found them. They revived them. So they already did the, um, you know, the amber, hey, look there, there's a mosquito in the amber, and it's like pre-paleontological period, and we're going to go ahead and, you no, know, they already did it. The viruses are alive. You know what they're going to do next? They're going to play around with them. Because that's what they do. The more they play around with them, the more money that they get. And the more evil the potential application of that virus may be, the more who will give what? Gates and Fauci. Yeah. And again, 80% mortality rate in the new version of COVID that was created by the Boston. How come they haven't like shut down Boston University and taken everybody in that laboratory and you know, why aren't there Nuremberg trials? <laughs> it's like this I know, I know. Line three, Glenn, you've, you've always got the answer. Uh, let's go ahead and see what he says. Nothing happens. Nobody goes I, to jail. Yeah, you're right. Nobody pays oh. for a thing anymore. You are right, Glenn. God bless you. All right, next headline up.
This was also snapped off of Twitter right now. Riot police in Amsterdam. By the way, this is not even hitting the secondary uh, headlines. Um, but anyway, riot police in Amsterdam are violently shut down. Uh, I'm sorry, violently shut down an anti-lockdown protest today after leftist mayor Femke Halsema uh, triggered a, an emergency order to stop the march. The Netherlands has been in COVID lockdown and gatherings of uh, more than two are illegal. Day. <laughs> They're still making gatherings of more than two people in a room against the law. I, I mean, it's like, I don't know, what is the, is the population in the Netherlands too small? Do they need to go, like, send some ships over to Hong Kong and borrow some people to give them a hand? I mean, obviously, they're not doing enough to stop this insanity. Anyway, it's unbelievable. And there are riots going on right now. There are unbelievable millions and millions and millions and millions of people in the streets still in Brazil. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cargo ships that are stuck out in the ocean, just like they were stuck off the coast of Los Angeles. Uh, And that's happening now in Brazil because of the protests. These protests have been going on for weeks. They have found the lying ballots. And now they really got them busted. And so now they're super angry. I wonder what's going to happen there. And with all the COVID things that are happening in China right now, the people are revolting. They are not messing around. This is Tiananmen Square times 10 billion. Okay? It ain't about one crummy little crappy tank that they could have thrown a Molotov cocktail down at and been done with it. Okay? All right? They, you know, that was an attempt, attempt at a peaceful protest, uh, hit world news, blah, 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 but so what? Do you think the Chinese give a darn about world opinion right now? They don't. Okay, they don't give a darn about it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be setting up these incredible death camps all over the place that can hold like, you know, like four football stadiums full of people over what? COVID? Come on! It's not over COVID at all. As a matter of fact, the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab came out and publicly said that we are using China as a role model. I predicted this over 10 years ago because I had been doing some studies, um, uh, you know, with um, uh, various sources that were highly controversial at the time from whistleblowers that were breaking free from from some deep underground bases. And they were talking about what the Chinese strategy, well, really what the New World Order shape-shifting reptilian strategy is to to collapse the world, do the whole Georgia Guidestone thing, kill people off by the gazillions, all that kind of stuff. And they, they unanimously, they all agreed that China was going to kill off its own population. China, knew, China knows that their own population will stop them. They know that. And they're experiencing it right, right now. Right now. It's happening right now. They are, they are at the point. And, you know, and, and the, the articles that are coming out where they have analysts, political analysts and stuff, experts on China, uh, you know, Chinese culture, which, of course, is China, changing all the time. They're one of the most demonic cultures in the entire world. That's why I sympathize with any Christian that's ever, oh, my God, praise you, Jesus. Let's pray for them. Father, in the name of Jesus, just pour out your spirit, pour out your power, pour out your holy fire to protect our brothers and sisters that are over there in the mighty name of Jesus Christ from all of this evil. But they are the role model for the World Economic Forum. I've said this a gazillion times. I told people, whatever is happening in China, that's what you need to expect here in the United States of Babylon the Great. But it seems like it's like, like entire planets away from us. It does. Because you've got guys like DeSantis coming down and saying, anything that the World Economic Forum is going to do ain't coming into Florida. And I'm like, 
No, I ain't even going to go there. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Iran moves closer to joining the Eurasian bloc. Now, I'm just going to translate. I'm going to read the article. I'm going to just translate this into a simple little statement. What they're talking about is Iran is going to ultimately join BRICS, okay, and get out from underneath the petrodollar, which is big. It's a really, really, really big deal. All right. So anyway, um, and that's all that headline is essentially about. And by the way, the list of countries that are lining up to join BRICS and get out from underneath the petrodollar is growing literally on a weekly basis, it appears. At least it's, so it appears. I may be wrong about that, but it definitely is incrementally increasing over time, and it is something that you can – it's noteworthy. It's very noteworthy. All right, praise God. Next one up. Iran moves closer. Hang in there for me, brother uh, Brian. I'm uh, running over a little bit on the news, and I'll be right there to you, brother. So hang in there for me. Iran moves closer to joining the Eurasian bloc. Okay, so I just covered that. The next one up, Russia rebukes Canada over their alien. They're not talking about gray aliens, okay? They're just talking about strange, bizarre, not-of-this-world unacceptable behavior. Russia rebukes Canada over their alien gender beliefs. It says the Russian embassy in Canada has blasted the country's government over its opposition to new criminalization, uh, uh, you know, a, a new law criminalizing the spread of LGBTQ propaganda. So basically, Russia said, you spread that stuff here? We're putting you in a gulag. Have a nice life. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm not so far away from that, you know, position, you know, but anyway, whatever. All right, praise God, but we got to pray for the person because they're demon-possessed. These people are incredibly demon-possessed. You don't do what these people are doing unless you have so many demons. And I'm not going to get into that. I've studied spiritual warfare for years. I've talked to some of the most brilliant authors on the subject, met some of them in person. The estimation by some of them who are very intelligent about these things is something to the effect of each Christian is, has 600 demons assigned to them. That's why you've got to stay on your spiritual warfare game. So if you are going to take a couple of days off to eat a little bit of extra protein that is recommended in the second book of uh, Rebecca M. Brown, M.D., about spiritual warfare, which, by the way, is required because it is exceedingly draining to do proper spiritual warfare, keep your head down. Keep your head down. Next one up. COVID lockdown protests break out in western China after a deadly fire. They threw people in a it was they threw people into a building and burned them to death because they might have COVID. They're welding the stuff that, that is uh, the live video of the horrible, 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 supremely horrible things that the Chinese government are doing to their people is all over Twitter. That's one reason why I do pay it attention. i got to do the show, and I want people to be aware of how bad the situation is out there so that we're able to keep our finger on the pulse of Jesus' return. Because we know what he told us in the Olivet Discourse. We have a big list of those things. We have, we're have we there. And all we got to do is keep tuned in and grow and, and become more intimate in our walk with Jesus. Spend more time on your knees in the secret place of the Most High so that you can be protected by those promises that God has woven through there. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will receive all the things in Psalm 91. Get it? All right, praise God. Next one up. Chinese police clash with thousands protesting draconian COVID lockdowns and unprecedented civil rights scripts. I can sit here and read all of these. It's just unbelievable. It, it's, it's, it is worth 
the whole world watching for Jesus to, to return, it is worth all of us keeping our eye on it because it is an explosive event, and the direction that that goes is definitely going to be an end times, a biblical end times marker as far as the um, uh, the likelihood of a reasonably soon departure. And I say that with great care because we know from experience that this stuff can drag out, well, to us, it seems like forever. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. China's vast 14,000-bed COVID isolation center revealed in drone footage. Translated is FEMA camps. FEMA camps that are designed, that are thrown together, slapped together, with, you know, they're, they're individual jail cells. They throw people in them, and, and each one of them can hold up to 14,000 people. Uh, it's, you don't even want to see it. It's so creepy. We're, you know, Orwell would have committed suicide if he saw what's happening today. All right, next one up. World Economic Forum Chair Klaus Schwab declares on Chinese state TV that China is a role model for many nations. wonder how many he thinks. I think he thinks of all of them. All right, next one up. Bill Gates tells the G20 world leaders that death panels will soon be required. Unelected world health czar Bill Gates has used his appearance at the G20 summit. How did he get there in the first place? He's not qualified, but he was there. How did he get a microphone? He was there. Oh, oh, and, and oh, did you know this? Okay, Xi Jinping, the, the uh, anti-lockdown protesters are going, Xi Jinping, step down, step down, step down. So they're trying to, you know, we'll see. It's going to get bad. Apple has a huge problem with the iPhone factory, their largest one indeed, um, is now shut down entirely because of the protests that are happening in China. West African countries are ditching the dollar, the petrodollar, uh, for oil trade purposes, which basically means they're joining BRICS, because it's one or the other. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Uganda has extended its quarantine for Ebola for an additional 21 days, probably get a lot worse there. Uh, and also this headline, European Union country faces drastic flood inflation. So whatever you see happening in your stores, triple it. And you might get kind of close to what they're experiencing over there. And I've just gotten some communications from people I have not heard it from in a very long time over in uh, England. And they are saying it is very real and it is absolutely horrific to try to deal with it. I mean, literally, do I pay my electric? Do I eat? Next one up. At protests across America, guns are doing all the talking. So basically this article is summarizing the fact that more and more groups of Americans are getting guns. and Everybody thinks that they're trying to take the guns away. No, they don't want to take the guns away. They want to make you think they're going to take the guns away to cause Americans to rush to the store to buy lots of guns. Because Satan wants us all to kill each other in the name of Jesus. Get it? No, we're supposed to carry our cross to our death. In love, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, Second Corinthians 10.5. We do not use such things. But that, they're playing. They're playing the American, every, oh, they're going to take our, you know, and you know what? It's going to turn into a massive civil war. And look, they need, they need, these entities from hell need our assistance in killing each other. And guess what? They're going to get it. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Zelensky is accused, has accused Russia of turning winter into a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. Next one up. 
judge orders Kroger to pay workers unjustly fired for refusing to wear an LGBT pride symbol. Now that's brilliant. Uh, Man, avian flu outbreak wipes out a record 50.54 million birds. But yet, folks, were we able to get affordable turkey? We were. It's an amazing thing. All right. A church of Norway is opening to uh, ordaining unmarried cohabitating priests. They can be girls. They can be boys. They can be cats. They can be dogs. They can be whatever they want to be because... The Bible obviously has no meaning to them whatsoever. Next one up. It's a disaster. Mega drought dramatically uh, shrinking California farmland, costing $1.7 billion. Right now, 12% of our vegetable uh, output uh, in our stores in the United States comes from Southern California. All right. um, uh, North Korea's goal for uh, world's strongest nuclear force. So they're coming out and they're letting everybody know that they're going to be building nuclear weapons and nuclear ICBMs as fast as they possibly can. Here's another report where a prominent doctor, and I could give you his name and whatever, but, you know, and, and there's a big study here if you want to look it up. Um, but basically, it doesn't matter because they're not listening. But they have come out with studies that have been peer-reviewed. They're unimpeachable, and they are launching lawsuits against the FDA over the suppression of things like ivermectin. Of course, the FDA is saying, no, 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 no. It was only a recommendation. It was only a recommendation. Even though they shut down the ability to get it all from any CVS, can't get it. Walgreens, can't get it. They shut it down. And who shut it down? The shape-shifting reptilian that refers to itself as Fauci that ought to be at the Nuremberg trials right now for 2023. But, like Glenn Beck says, nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Klaus Schwab unveils the new world symbol. When he was speaking at the APEC conference, the CEO summoned in Thailand at the G20 thing or whatever. Listen to this. He had a new symbol up on the screen behind him. It's the new logo for the APEC CEO summit. It's a swastika. It's a swastika. <sighs> Furniture manufacturer dumps 2,700 workers, absolutely destroying their lives. Idaho's getting ready to split with a referendum and, and adopt a, a multiple additional counties from Oregon. So that's basically, you know, uh, it is what is coming. It is what God has shown us, and it is going to be civil war. We don't know how long before that all starts and kicks off. But anyway, um, and also just as a point of note, the United States Federal Communication FCC has prohibited sale of telecom surveillance equipment made by Chinese companies like Huawei and ZTE. Now, you might say, say to yourself, oh, that's overreacting. I'm going to keep on listening to TikTok. I'm going to keep on doing whatever it is that you think that you should be able to do. I'm here to tell you that the United States government, under uh, uh, a method, it's a, a z- it's known as a zero day, and it's called um, uh, uh, it's called Nitro Zeus, NZ Nitro Zeus, and the stuff that Huawei is doing and ZTE is doing to the United States, we're already doing it to other countries as well. What they're doing is they're embedding the attacks into the actual motherboards of the phones. They're wiring it into the chips. So you don't even have to worry about antivirus working because it's hardwired into your phone. It's hardwired into your PC. That's why I tell people, what are you worrying about? Why why don't you just trust God? What are you worried about? You know, you're not going to be able to hide from any of this. Anyway, on on this note, praise Jesus, we have Brother Brian, uh, B.W. Melvin, as he refers to on his book, and um, and he's coming on the program tonight as Brian Melvin, uh, and he has a powerful testimony, and over, it looks like about an hour and, uh, 
20 minutes or whatever to share it up to as long as he feels led by the Holy Spirit. And let's just jump over. We're, we're so blessed to have him tonight. Praise God. Here we go. Praise God. Brother Ryan, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you real good. Yep, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to turn the mic. Yeah, I'm doing fabulous. I'm just blessed. I mean, praise Jesus. I love the end times. I think the end times are awesome because it means that we're all going home soon. But anyway, um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to go ahead and hand the microphone over to you and let you share, as the Holy Spirit leads, what you feel led. Because your testimony is so jam-packed full of information that there's just no way in that, you know, we could have a three-hour radio show, and I don't think you could share every single thing that happened to you. And it's just a blessing to have you, and I just wanted to to give the mic to you and let you share whatever you feel led to share with the listening audience. What a blessing to have you join us. Thank you, Brother Brian. Well, John, it's great to be back. I know it's been quite a while since I've been back here, but some people may not know who I am, but my name is, uh, my writing name is B.W. Melvin or Brian W. Melvin. I wrote a book called A Land Unknown, Hell's Dominion, and my testimony has been seen all over the place. And on uh, did videos on it. Uh, I mean, I did, there was a docudrama that was done on me back in uh, 2008. I preached in churches and stuff, so forth, et cetera, and telling about my testimony. I never expected anything to ever come of it. I wrote the book primarily uh, as a testimony to my relatives or people who just find the book after I'm gone and maybe somebody can get saved. And so right now, uh, the docudrama through various sources uh, and other people who posted on site has reached about 28 million people. Um, did videos. One video I did, did for Randy K. Ministries that is uh, up there by close to, getting close to 1.5 million. So a lot of views, a lot of videos. I have my own YouTube channel called The Christian Marauder. Some of you may have know that. Completed a, a video about um, some, an interesting topic, how people are enchanted. And I use the backdrop of how they are enchanted. And I'll talk a little bit about that tonight as well. So if you haven't heard my testimony, let's just give you a little backdrop. And back in 1980 is when it happened. I was a militant atheist, and I died. I'm one of these people who had an after-death experience, and I came back from the dead by God's grace alone, and not anything based on what I did, just this grace alone. Uh, I'm, I'm even here today. It's just I know that, and I have a great respect for the Lord Jesus Christ like uh, you wouldn't believe. And so what happened to me was simply I was uh, back then I was a young guy and I was about 22 years old as a militant atheist. Before that, I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, that doesn't make you a Christian at all. And so I fell away because I lived up in a turbulent time and all the political stuff that went on south of Washington, D.C. and D.C. area at the time. And growing up as a kid in the 60s and the 70s and all that stuff that went on there. And just through life and adventure, so to speak, I simply fell away and never believed in God. Um, 
I did believe in God for a little bit, and I was an agnostic, and then I bounced into atheism, and then agnosticism, then back to full-blown atheism by the time this happened. And I used to argue with Christians who came to witness to us and so forth, etc. There's more of that in my book, A Land Unknown, Health Dominion. But I just got to say, have you ever found yourself between a rock and a hard place that you cannot get out of? And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, in 1980, Tucson, Arizona, I ended up moving there, and I actually accidentally drank some creek water that someone left in a thermos, the company thermos. Our boss went to Nogales, New Mexico, in his truck with his kids, and his, over, his truck overheated, so he got the company cooler filled up with creek water in order to get back home, but he never took the out of the back of the truck, so it was sitting there. So as it was sitting there all this time, uh, you know, uh, time to go to work, you know. So I was working, and was, I remember looking at the marquee. It was about 121 degrees that day. The bank marquee across the street. People were working in the building and uh, wiring and stuff. And I was out in the ditch um, doing pedestal work that's digging. You know, you get into the caliche, the hard soil, and you have to dig around and lay the pipe, underground pipe work to pull your wires. So I'm out there in the hot sun, and and so everybody got thirsty, so I walked over to the cooler, saw the company cooler. It was in a weird place, but I picked it up anyway, thinking there would be water in it. There's water in it, so I uh, told my friend, you can drink first. He said, no, you go ahead, and yeah, I drank a good swallow of it, and I and I, oh, that's, that's not cold. So he took a little bit, he spat it out, and he said, well, what is that stuff? He opened it up, and it looked like Darwin soup. It was... Um, Algae floating around in it, little like flat, wormy things swimming around it, all kinds of little life, <laughs> creepy things floating around in it, swimming around in it, and it was putrid. I drank pretty good swallow of that. Did not know what in the heck would have happened to me, but um, I ended up eventually got a diagnosis of cholera and probably some other things, some other waterborne diseases as well. And because I remember looking. I wrote down shortly thereafter, and I just found that paper of what they said I had, and I just wrote it down. One at some form of dysentery, along with cholera and something called shingelia. I think that's how you pronounce it. And basically, I should not be here. So it's, and my symptoms pretty much follow the typical symptoms of cholera. Within 12 hours, I'm back at work. In the morning, and I started not feeling too well and got sick rather rapidly. And I was working in a um, model home, and I had to get out of there real quick because I got too sick. I managed to get home, and it hit me with a ton of bricks. And, and you know, um, being an atheist, being a tough guy in the construction field at that time, you know, after I drank that bad water the night before, you know, I thought some Jack Daniels, Jose Cuervo, Wild Turkey, something like that would knock this thing out and just drink a little alcohol. That's what John Wayne would do. So that's what I tried to do. You know, it did not work. And so I got real sick the next day. I got sicker and sicker. And I did not want to ruin a, a trip that I planned because I rented out a duplex apartment, a, you know, duplex house apartment with some friends from the east. And they were going um, – to go up to the Grand Canyon, and I'm going to go up to Phoenix and meet a friend and fly over to Grand Canyon and spend the day out of it because it was a holiday, a Saturday or something. And so I, I thought, wow, this is that sounds great. I don't want to ruin this, you know. 
Um, and I knew that I was planning to go too, but I was too sick to go. They did not want to go. They did, they did not want to leave me there. They want to take me to the hospital, but I said, I'll be this. I'll, I'll make it. I was in excruciating pain. I had a high fever. Felt like razor blades sloshing around inside my gut. And the fever would get so high that my teeth would rattle. And they thought, well, I should take you to the hospital. But I said, no, you know, no. And so um, I did not know this until after I looked this up in a medical journal about cholera. Cholera, before your body goes into shock and dies, you have a, a relapse where you actually feel better and you get up and you'll walk around. That's just before you die. <laughs> the medical fact. And that's exactly what I did. I said, look, guys, it's Saturday. It's time for you guys to leave. I'm all better. I'm up. I'm going to get some water. I'm going to take a shower. I'm all better. I'm just a little wiped out. You guys go. And they were shaking their heads like, you know, what a dummy. I mean, there's some other expletives they probably said, you know, but I waved them off. They went out the door. I was in the kitchen, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks again. The pain came back. The fever came back. I collapsed on the floor. I crawled, managed to back. It took me a long time to crawl back into the bathroom, and with cholera, it comes out both ends. You can't help it. And I passed out on the floor in the bathroom. My dog was scratching on the door. I remember that. I, I was able to get up, try to clean up the mess, use Lysol all over the thing. I mean, I don't know how I did it, but I did what I could. I could have left the mess there. Who knows? Uh, I crawled back room just a few, you know, maybe six, seven feet from the bathroom door, pulled myself up on the bed, and I could hardly breathe. I was in terrible shape, and I was going to tell my dog, hey, Lassie, go get help, but that doesn't work. My dog wouldn't know what to do anyway. While she was whimpering, she was frantic, she was having a fit. She knew something was, she knew more than I did, I would say. She was smarter than me, I think. <laughs> That's a German shepherd for Anyway, I was sitting there, I was lying down on the bed, and I looked at my clock, and it was about 10 till noon, and I noticed I wasn't wearing my glasses, so I reached over and pet my dog to try to get her to go get help, and my hand went through her chin, and at that moment, it takes longer to express what happened. I took my last breath. As soon as it left me, I went up out of my body. I floated above my body, and... I was looking around and checking out the room because I wear glasses. I'm nearsighted. You know, I could see perfectly. I could hear perfectly. I I actually died. I knew I died, and I lost all my atheism at that time. And there's nothing I can do about it. You know, like I said, you ever found yourself between a rock and a hard place? And that's what I ended up finding out in just a few, not too long after this. Here I was floating above my body, looked down, and I was sort of an ashen gray of blue streaks and blue blotches in my skin. I looked horrible. And um, I, I just uh, looked around the room, and then I like, seemed like something pressed me against the ceiling, and my nose was going through the ceiling, and I was looking in a, a fold of ceiling texture, which was done with a trowel, and there was a fingerprint inside there and, and that the painter did in the, in the, when he troweled it. It made a lift and, and trapped the fingerprint inside the fold of it. You can't see this for the naked eye on the floor. You have to get up and press your face against the ceiling to see it. After I got back from the hospital from this event, I actually climbed on the ladder, looked up there at that very same fold, and there was that dirty fingerprint embedded in that thing. So anyway, I took my last breath, and I saw that fingerprint. I went through the ceiling, and I went up 
past the swamp cooler. The swamp cooler had bailing wire and a bandana tied around the access ports. As I found out about a month later when I changed the um, filter on it, that's exactly what I saw. And I put um, screws in there and reset it. And <laughs> so you have to piece it together with bailing wire and a bandana. But um, I went through there. That's what I saw. I could hear the kids and see the kids kicking a can down the street, which they were doing. I could hear the neighbors arguing, as they usually did with each other. Husband and wife just yell at each other all the time. And we had some, quite some neighbors across the way for a while. <laughs> so anyway, went through the ceiling, went up there past that, and I entered into a dark void of blackness heading toward a light. I remember I'm an atheist. I don't believe in this stuff. Do not believe in our life after death. And I did not pay uh, any attention to anything about spirituality type stuff. I just thought I was a bunch of hooey hooey and didn't care too much for it. And so I was heading for the light. I never heard anything about a near-death experience or an after-death experience or anything about going toward the light. I, I, I was completely oblivious to any of this stuff. So that's where I found myself. I was in a, a peaceful darkness floating toward a light in the darkness, and I felt a profound peace and great love that engulfed me, and it was the greatest peace and love I ever felt. I had no more pain, no more fever, and I was going toward a place, toward a light, and and I knew I was heading toward somebody of great importance, which, which I understood as I was proceeding through there, which would be God. I was going to be judged, but I thought uh, I wasn't really aware I was going to be judged, and I felt great love, joy, and peace. And I heard this music and this singing, and it was incredible. I'm, a, I'm an amateur musician and play the guitar and stuff for quite a number of years, and I, and I was fascinated by the musical instruments I was hearing. I never heard anything like that before, and the most beautiful music, singing in a different language, yet I understood every single word. And they were proclaiming who God is, how true he is to himself and to his character. How It, it was basically revealing God's character traits. Now, as I was floating toward that light, it was getting bigger. To me, it looked like it was slowly, but I was actually going at it, probably going at a pretty good clip. Um, bits and pieces of my life flashed before me, before my eyes. And I saw how teachers, schools, movies, the media, the world, and especially myself, all painted, you know, anything good as evil. I mean, I really did. I thought that Christianity was oppressive and closed-minded, it was restrictive. It was the enemy of all fun, and and my mentality at the time, I viewed Christianity needs to be overthrown, you know, because you know everybody should just do as thou will because, you know, with with a little morality sprinkled in so you don't hurt anybody. But uh, I didn't pay attention to not hurting anybody, but that's my mentality at the time, and uh, so I, you know, that, that's what I was seeing. I was seeing things like that, and I was. I could see myself talking to some Christians and trying to prove them, which happened in my life. I saw this again as I was floating through there, how I used arguments against Christians to, uh, to stump them by making them, proving to them they can't live up to their own standards, which was, for me, pretty easy to do <laughs> as an atheist, except for a few Christians. And, and then I saw the light became closer and closer and more. Uh, things in my life uh, flashed through my mind, like how many times uh, I, I was spared car wrecks. 
I mean, I'm almost killed a whole bunch, bunch of my friends in my dad's station wagon when I was going joyriding after drinking a wild night of wild turkey and probably Jose Cuervo chasers. And, um, and I was going over a hill on Gallows Road in Virginia, northern Virginia there, went over a little hill, was heading toward a 300-year-old oak tree in midair. I was going a little too fast. And luckily there were no oncoming cars. But I was heading in the wrong lane, going airborne toward the tree, and something took the car and moved it, set it back on the road and kept me from running off the road. Then other cars came up and kept me from hitting them, got to the bottom of the hill. Everybody was slapping me on the back saying, boy, that's fun. Let's do it again. Um, and talk about getting sobered up really quick. Um, yeah, you know, I, I saw that the Lord actually had an angel and prevented me from killing all these people and myself. And so he showed me constant things, how he warned me, how he reached for me, how he, he all the times he got me out of the jam. You know, when you're drunk or you're stoned or you're, you're getting chased by the law or something and you're saying, oh, Lord, help me get out of this. Oh, I promise to serve you. He reminded me every time I did the stupid thing like that. You know, he, he showed me how many times he reached for me. And I had no idea, you know, what was going on. All I could feel was his great peace, this great love that I felt in this dark void heading to this place. Now, if I was resuscitated then and came back then, of course, my testimony would be different. And I tell everybody, go to the light. Everything will be perfect. Everything will be beautiful. You know, God is love. I, I'd be saying the same thing, but I went a little bit beyond that point for, as you'll find out, for God's purposes, for the Lord Jesus' purposes, and surely not mine. And I got near the rock, and I saw a figure on the, on the rock. And um, he was standing there, he was sitting first, and he stood up all in brilliant light, the most brilliant and intense light I've ever seen. And it was beautiful. Like, there's no colors of this type of light that our human eye right now in this realm could see. Nor could your eyes actually look at such brightness and see the brightness came from this being on there. And years later, I found in Hosea that beams of light come forth from his hands. That's what he's describing, and that God dwells in, on an inapproachable light. And that's what I was seeing. I was seeing the Lord Jesus Christ and light coming from him. And I was like, wow, I knew who it was. Trust me, you know who it is. And I uh, got closer to the rock. I floated right down on top of the rock, feet first, landed there, jumped. He came down some steps. I still see it in my mind right now. And I fell face forward, flat on my face before him. And something picked me up and set me right in front of him. And so I looked up, and there, there he was. I knew it was Jesus, but he had a, a face covered with a hood. And all the love and peace and calmness that and that I felt first, uh, all left me. This, I was being judged. I was facing a reckoning. And then it came to me, um, I can't explain it, how the Lord speaks to me. He spoke to me like, like, like telepathically, and, but there are so many words and meaning of his words would take encyclopedias. And he, and he basically knew every ounce of me. And you saw, I saw this, how I justified myself. I saw all these things. And I basically saw how I used God's love 
and how his mercy, how he spared me so many times for my own end. I live my life poking my finger in God's eye. It's all evident by how I lived my, my life back then. You know, I was being judged by God's love. Terrifying thing to realize how good God is, how many times he reached for you in so many different ways, and you ignored everyone and said he can't be. See, God's love will judge you. How will God's love judge you? By revealing who and what you're really like on the inside that nobody sees. I saw how I justified betraying folks, abandoning folks, rejecting folks, mocking people. I sold drugs to a church youth group (laughs) on a roller skating thing. I didn't go. I didn't want to get caught. But they went and they had a good time. I saw how I lied, how I did all these things, and how I justified everything in my life. I saw how I used people like a commodity. I never thought I did. I thought I was just a good old boy. Maybe some of you think you're like that, too, that you're good. But you never realize that how many people you abandoned, how many people you rejected, you know, all this stuff coming back at you. And I saw how many uh, times I inflicted heart wounds, broke hearts on people. I saw how I hurt my parents, how I stole money from them, how I fed my habits back then, and things I did, thinking I was a good old boy. And uh, and then I saw how good God was to me despite myself, like he put a hedge of grace and mercy. He saved me, like I said, from car accidents. He saved me from getting shot twice, once with a guy with a a stub-nosed gun, shoved a nose a barrel of his gun up from my friend's face and pointed at me threatening to kill us because he didn't like our long hair, you know, and our, our, our you know, our redneck long hair um, uh, uh, muscle car that we're driving. You know, we were just a bunch of, you know, and he almost shot us. And another time was in, there was a, a big ruckus between two opposing sides and they began shooting at each other. I remember running across the, a football field at a high school with a bullet cracking. You know, the Lord spared me many, 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 many times from utter brutality. And uh, he was showing me that. And he showed me he gave me a gift of life. And, I, and how I made life around me. I made life, like I said in my book, ugly with all my reasons, all my justification. I was totally exposed for the Lord. I had no place to hide. There was no excuses. I was fully condemned and knew who and what I was like on the inside. This was a reckoning. I saw how I fooled, how I justified myself, what I was really like. And I saw how many times the Lord would reveal to me he reached for me with my parents' prayers, how, he, how my parents and relatives tried to witness to me and through other people, and all I did was make fun of them, and I just turned them away. And I, I, um, a lot of people can think they can play the victim card and waltz into heaven because God's love will just let them in because love, love, and all that stuff. Well, folks, that is the most profound stinking pride. Once you see it in yourself, you could ever do. You can't play the victim card on God and say, I, uh, you know. A crazy sign fell on my head, and I'm a victim of circumstance. Your love must let me into heaven. Though I live like hell on earth, I was the least decent guy on earth, or, you know, and, you know, you got to let me into heaven. You know, that doesn't work. 
I mean, I want to ask you folks, do you think that you ladies out there, are you a poly purebred? Do you really think your life is lived like a poly purebred? And you guys, you masculine dudes out there, you think you're really as good as Dudley do right? You really think you are? Think you're that hot stuff? You ain't. I mean, all this stuff, you'll see the real inside of you. There is nothing inside of you that, you know, uh, that you can co and say, hey, you know, I, I did good deeds. I did these nice things, and you can't, you know, I deserve heaven. It doesn't matter how much beer I drank, how many fights I got in. You know, I'm a good old boy. I'm a you know, good old girl. You know, we, we did things our way. And, uh, you know, the Lord just rips that right off of you. That is the most frightening thing, is what the, like the Bible says, to stand before the living God and being judged. And that's what happened to me. And, in fact, that experience was more terrifying than hell because you see yourself and then you see who he is, how good and kind and merciful he is, and how many times you see something about God that's seldom taught in churches. Well, when I go preach places and are on my videos, I try to express that as much as possible. And, and, and people will play, the, play that against God. God's slow to anger, so they keep getting away with what they're getting away with, right? You know, God's perfectly just in all his ways, and he's just towards you, too. He gave you uh, ability to reason and think. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verses, I think it's 15, 18, says, come, let us reason together. God reasons with us. He does not going to force you. He will reason with you. Yeah, he can pull strings if he likes. But he can reason with you to try to get you to come back. He lives true to himself with no shadow of turning. You learn things like that. And and you learn that you created a pipe dream in life, and you realize you mess things up. And so no matter, you, you can't get out of that. You can't get out of that. And Jesus stood with his hood over his face, and I, I could see part of his beard and it looked like cake blood on it like someone yanked parts of it out and I could see the, the slashes in his wrist and it still gives me kind of goosebumps to think about it and uh, I could see him I could see the great suffering he went through to try to wake us up to what we're really like to each other how we betray abandon neglect abuse make put burdens on people's backs they can't bear and how many times like you know Jesus would take him to Pilate and made to uh, into uh, Herod. He went to Herod first and said, Herod wanted to see him dance for him, do some miracle, mocking him. How many times did I do that with God, saying, if you're really alive, you should do this, you know, heal all the babies, you should do this, you know, uh, do a dance for me. I made people do that for me, too. How about some of you? If you could stand before that type of judgment, and, and try to play the victim card, you're not going to be successful. And he, then he spoke to me, and he was telling me I would see a land unknown that's best forgotten, but not to be left unseen. He went on to say that returning is an option yet to be decided. I just remember those words. I wrote them down after this happened. And I was going like, uh, you know, I was flummoxed. I didn't, I, I knew I deserved my fate unequivocally. And I had the love of God just judge me to show me what I would do to God's love because I did it in this life proved by how I treated people and myself. That's what the love of God does when he, that type of love judges you. It shows you what you would do 
with God's love, his mercy, and his grace, if he allowed you into heaven in your fallen state. And what is made so clear to me at that moment when he said those words is that there is no afterlife salvation. You have to come back to this life to get saved, okay? Um, there's no afterlife salvation. And because eternity seals the deal, you die in that eternal state, you go through this void, you learn things about God's character that you can gain and exploit because he's slow to anger. He's a, he give, he's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. That means, you know, like the Bible says, you put eternity in our hearts. Um, though we may die and our flesh dies, we, uh, our spirit will continue to live. It teaches that in the Bible, in that type of life. But if you die in a fallen state, uh, you're going to die in that fallen state. And if he allowed you into heaven thinking just to justify your idea of what love is to let you in no matter how you are without and how you treated God's love, he, he actually this verse came to me many years later. It was in Isaiah 26. He says, if grace is shown to the wicked in the land of uprightness, the only place the land of uprightness is in heaven, he will not observe the majesty of the Lord. You know, in other words, he would abuse God's character traits to keep on, you know, stealing the streets of gold, whatever. I'm sorry. It's just how it is. I'm not going to let you in because you're going to, you know too much about God's character traits and you would continually exploit it. And you see how he wept in the garden, how he went through agonizing pain in order to wake us up to what we're really like to each other and to ourselves and to God. And, boy, you don't feel, you feel lower than low. That's all I got to say. And he said, when you arrive at this place and feel a sense of overwhelming, say my name and my title, which was Jesus Christ. It was obvious to me. So some force lifted me up through a door into a terrifying spinning vortex heading toward this yellowish light. It was inside of like a, like a tornado. It was, um, I could, you know, it was a hideous smell. It was roaring flames. It was hot. And it was terrifying. It was like being inside of the middle of a tornado. And I could hear all this laughter and hellish speech and screams and all this place. And the heat was getting more intense. And I was traveling toward this yellowish light at the end going through this tunnel. A lot of after-death experiences, strangely, talk about going through a tunnel. I wonder sometimes. Just wonder. And reaching the end of this tunnel, I fell through the sky and landed with a thud in what I call my book, A Land Unknown. It's not what I expected. Uh, I saw a house on a hill, and all these people starting to run out to welcome me. And uh, they're welcoming me. They're coming out of this house, running down this hill and up the other side. I was on another hill on the other side. And the tree that was in the yard is dilapidated. It looked like it was fall, and everything was like dead. But these people came out so happy. Welcome me to paradise, slapping me on the back. There's some people that I knew had died and stuff, and they were just slapping me on the back, saying, Welcome to paradise, Brian. Don't you feel the love? And, uh, and I was starting to, you know, at first, I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I thought, Well, I'm not going to a nice place. I'm obviously going to hell. Where's the devil and the pitchforks and the flames? That's what I had in my mind. Instead, there was a house on a hill in a little valley between where I landed to it, where on the top of another hill, all these people ran out and greeted me, slapping me on my back, welcoming me to paradise. Can't you feel the love, brother? And um, 
and all of a sudden I got really uneasy when I kept talking about can't you feel the love you know you're in paradise welcome and I would say no I can't this this can't be real something was 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 making me unnerved because I look at some of their eyes and look like uh, yellow eyes irises like an alligator yellow irises like alligator eyes and um I said, you, you know, you can't be this person, and they would try to hide, and they morph into another person. I go, this, this ain't right. And I started to feel dread because they started to change, and they morphed into what they were. These were demonic beings that gave the illusion of being people that I know. Um, and people I know in my life, you know, and they came at me and circled me, all these hideous-looking things, a lot of them were reptilian-like. Some of them looked like you would, you know, like uh, Alistair Crowley's yam figure, you know, the gray type figure. Others looked like, uh, um, you know, various types of insects and geometric shapes. Um, I, I, it's really hard to describe what they look like. I, but anyway, this one creature came up to me. He stood about four eight. I gave him a nickname. You know, I called him Lizard Breath. He was about four foot eight. He had little hands. He looked like a dinosaur, like a little uh, weirdest dinosaur ever type creature I've ever saw. He had a short stubby tail, and he was hissing and spitting in, in this hellish language I could understand, and I could understand a few words. He said, come follow me. I ought to be half my kingdom. It's been granted to me. Come follow me. What else did I do? I was saying I felt overwhelming. I did what the Lord told me, Jesus, to say his name, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I said it like a machine gun until I left this place, and I never stopped saying it. Every time I said it, the creatures could not grab hold of me. They could poke me, they could prod me, and they poke you. You feel this like sheet of ice going into your, your skin and fear. You, you can't even imagine when they touched you. They would poke you, slap you around or whatever, but they could never grab hold of you to gnaw and chew on you like they were trying to like that's what they wanted to do, have lunch. And uh, I'm sitting there, standing there, and I said, oh, you know, I didn't know what to do. So I followed this thing. He took a few steps and he stopped, and we were at the edge of the horizon, couldn't go any further, and he stuck his hand in what looked like the sky, and it ripped it open like a veil, and he stepped up and out onto a wide, dusty plain, and I still see it as plain as day. He motioned for me to come. And so I stepped up out of there. I didn't want to stay in this place with all these things around me. And they were still there laughing and carrying on. I looked inside and I, I go, and I looked out where I was and looked back. And I go, I came out of a cell. It was about 10 by 10. It could have been 14 by 14. The dimensions are kind of hard because of how hot it is there. It's like heat waves coming off the pavement in, in a lot of places. It's just so hot. And so I looked inside this, and I, I, in my book, I wrote about 10 by 10 square foot, foot cell. But inside, it was like the all outdoors. And it, and it came to me, and it, and it was revealed to me that this place, for the sake of time here, you have to read my book um, to get more detail, but it was expressed to me that what is inside your mind supplies the scene I this. And... Um, if you ever seen Star Trek, the next generation that came out in the late 1980s and stuff, um, in the 1990s, they have the holodeck. It's kind of, it's sort of like that. You're in a small place, but it could be as large or as small, depending on what was in, in a person's heart and mind. And so 
I, I stepped out of there. When people say, if that's scriptural, yes, it's the Bible talks about in Proverbs, chambers of death, talks about in um, Isaiah chapter 24, talks about uh, hell is like a dungeon with cells. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 32, which I'll mention here real quickly, describes where I was, a pit that was round about with cells embedded into the wall. It was like a burial pit. And so I stood out on this dusty road, and he motioned for me to come, so I walked across the dusty road and to an opening in the middle of this road. And I noticed that as I got near that edge, you know, all these creatures were walking there. Some of them looked like insects, rotting vegetables. They, uh, you know, gargoyles without wings. Uh, strangely, oddly, this is way before the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but you could pretty much say somebody was inspired uh, orcs and Urukai and um, goblins and so forth. <laughs> and their movements of the goblins are, or golem is how these things move. They're incredibly quick. They're not zombies. And uh, these things, and reptilian type things, these look like, um, like I did an interview in Detroit for Detroit Station a long time ago, and it would be similar to what grays look like, but more sinister. So just let your mind wander on that. And so all these things were escorting people into these cells that I came out of. There's one I came out of, but there were other cells, and each cell was stacked six high to the roof of this place, and the roof stretched over, and I noticed what it looked like was a round circular pit. The, the wide, dusty road was like the stairway of a um, spiral staircase. And the opening was like looking at up and down in a bottomless pit, because that's where we were. And I could see these tornado vortexes, like I came through, were came through and were dropping people off in these cells. Some were being escorted there. Other gaggles, in like, like a herd mentality of these creatures running around, going to places, having conversations, and uh, so forth, et cetera. And I'm, I'm sitting there, and all I can say is, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, and this creature is trying to entrap me to curse it, curse myself, curse God, curse the devil, curse anything. All I can say is, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And he was, he was throwing arguments back at me, things that I used to use against Christians, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, reminding me how often I... Um, uh, argue with Christians that hell couldn't exist, that God's too cruel and mean, you know, he's such a meanie, you know, the kids die, all this other, other stuff. Now he's being challenged by that. And so he was, and I called him lizard breath because his breath was so foul that it distorted his, his face, so I could never tell you how many eyes he had. One minute it was, it could be two, it could have been a one, it could have been 20, it could have been 40, I couldn't even tell you. And he's uh, an awful looking thing. And a big, big, huge teeth of breath that was horribly foul. Now, in a dream, you don't really smell things. In a dream, you don't have tactile feelings. When I was walking in this place, you know, I was stepping in this soil, and these little wormy things were in it. I was barefooted, and these wormy things had teeth, and these white, fluttery moths would come out with teeth on them. And all the stuff was there, and it was, it was hideous-looking things. And that's when I was walking, and I could feel that. I could taste death. The stench was horrible. And uh, the sights and sounds were horrible. And this thing said, you know, motioned me back, and we went over to where the cells were. 
and it was, and he said it was been granted to me to see this place, and come follow him. He's going to offer me half the kingdom, and just curse him, curse God. This whole thing is going to be yours, you know, or something like that. And so, he's, so I would go to these cells, and I look inside the cells, and I would see individual people trapped in these cells by themselves with these creatures. Some of them were chained to the bottom of the cell. Others weren't. They could come and leave uh, at will. And in these cells, when people were in there, and they were reliving their own worst nightmare, just like the Bible talks about, people living in a chamber of deaths, alone, banished from all hope. And and what was going on in hell? Was it they being redeemed? No. What was going on there? What is uh, I think it's Job chapter 25 or 26 says, Abaddon or hell or this place of destruction has no covering. And it's, it's a place of ruin. In other words, it uncovers what you really like on the inside. And I knew that the levels above me, the people above me had less torments. People below me had worse torments. I knew that. also saw the cells slightly moved every once in a while to click. And eventually they all moved to a lower level. Each, lo- each level that moved to the torments would increase until it was a never-ending crescendo. So some people had a slight break once in a while and that got less and less of their nightmare, you know, and they were reaping what they have sown in life, how they abandoned, betrayed, mocked, scoffed, put people on trial in their mind, bore false witness, all these things. What they're really like on the inside, what they did to life is, is there. All the hypocrisy is there. They're reliving events in their life, seeing the events of their time period, because that's what I was seeing. I can't explain it, but I was granted to know their life history in an instant. As I walked by, I was just a kaleidoscope of people. I knew their in an instant. We stopped at a few cells, look in and see what was going on. And I mean, I saw so much, only recorded just a few things in the, in the book. Some editor said some of the stuff is too redundant, take it out, so I did but I saw people, you know, bygone years, uh, living in how they did. And I saw this, this woman who was a prostitute, and her mother was, who made her this way, all this stuff. And she became vile and mean, and now she was walking in the streets of Paris around 1900, 1800s, early 1900s, with a thousand-yard stare and all these people catcalling her and all this stuff and all these names, and she was just walking through there. And she wasn't being reformed. She was getting worse. She was, she was, she was becoming almost depraved. Can't, can't explain that better than that. And and I walked by another cell. I saw a guy who looked like in the 1950s or so. He's, he's sitting there trying to drink a beer. There's no beer there at all. But he looked like he had a beer can. But it was a creature. It was talking to him. And everything he said to his family was coming back. He could hear it. Son, get this beer. You're, you're a worthless piece of you-know-what. You know, you never amount to anything, you know, little girl, you know, you tell your daughter, I won't say any names. But he, things like that were assailing his mind. He was just tapping on the table, and he was just, like, just stupefied, sitting there, reminding, being reminded of what he's really like. And he was getting worse. And, uh, and you know, he chose, he chose, he chose this place. Hell wasn't made for human beings. It was made for the devil and his fallen watchers and his demonic hordes, and, and, are, and they're going to go there at an appointed time. Some are there already, 
but not all. And so, and so, you know, when humanity fell, he got more inhabitants. And the Lord has done everything in his power to try to show you that he's a God of grace and mercy, allows you to disagree with him. He doesn't silence your free speech. He doesn't get you and cancel you for misinformation. He didn't, doesn't go around prancing around in a, a transmorphic state t- talking about love is love. Let's chemically castrate your children because that's a form of love. He, you know, God's not like that. That's the devil's way. That's how human beings are to each other. Don't believe me? Turn on the news. I heard Brother John talking about old Klaus Schwab. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's a piece of work. Don't go there right now. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. You see people doing this stuff, and they think they're going to create a perfect utopia. And, you know, and God's, I'm patient, I'm kind, I'm not willing, any should perish, I'm reaching for you, I'm going to spare you from this place. So what did you do to my hands? How many times you slapped them away from me, and you chose drugs and alcohol and pornography, you chose drink, you chose, you chose getting revenge, you chose this, you made life hell on the earth. I did everything I could for you, and now you died. This, I tried to spare you this, but... There you go, a place that you wanted. What you loved the most was there to torment you the rest of your life. And that is the most remarkable thing is when I saw people living in their own private nightmares, never able to wake up. And when they did wake up, they woke up in a new nightmare. So uh, a stupid, uh, ignorant, brilliant professor, I call him stupid and ignorant, for a reason, because he thought he was a top dog. He had everything figured out, but he was in there writing on a chalkboard you know, over and over again something. And, and I, I was looking at him. I mean, he, he, he told students there was no God and, and how great the world could be if everybody listened to him. This, this dude was, you know, lived away not, you know, maybe 70, 80 years ago. Um, so, you know, here he is in that place. And writing on that and having the students were actually demons mocking them. People ask me, what do demons look like? They look like insects, like I said, rotting vegetables, uh, lizard creatures, uh, gargoyles without wings. Some of them had wings. We walk in, in this place. That's all I can say, you know, just walking and looking at these cells, looking at these people, and we were walking to lower and lower levels where the torments increased. And I was, I was actually being a tour of hell. <laughs> I could say I did not want to go. I wanted to wake up. I was scared spitless, and I, I couldn't do anything. I was scared out of my mind. Um, I was in the pit of hell. That's how the Bible describes it, just like Ezekiel 32, roundabout, uh, with, um, where people are on different levels. Just like the, Jesus said in the book of John, he says, in these two cities, uh, uh, it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than these two cities. So there is just recompense. People who are in, above me had less recompense. So they had some breaks in their torment. And uh, what struck me was this, he allowed me to see all these people. And I'm just going to narrow it down to just a few. I saw what looked like a, a coffin in this cell. 
and there was a bona fide, a real practitioner of witchcraft. I'm not talking about the little Wiccan wannabes. This is a heavy-duty practitioner of, of basically what we'd call high satanic Luciferian uh, um, illumination and dispension and initiation. Now, that would be a good way to put it. And that's what this person was. And they were involved in heavy-duty magic, the type of magic that is expressed in Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Read it sometime. She killed people before their time. She did uh, sexual orgies and blood drinking and uh, human sacrifice to acquire more power. And so here she was in this coffin scratching to get out. I could see her inside her coffin, even though it was the four walls of it. She was trying to scratch the lid out. And it hit me. She killed people before their time, just like Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 18 says. And she did that. And, and just like what God said in those verses, you will, you will stop. There will time this will stop. He's going to stop your divination. He did to that, that lady there. She was trapped in that place, and she couldn't get out of that coffin because she killed not only physical people, but she killed hopes and dreams, and she slaughtered people's character, prancing around talking about love is love and do as thou will as the greatest form of love. And she scratched to get out. She couldn't walk on. Next scene passed. I saw a um, a guy sitting in a, in a rowboat. There's no water in hell. But look, I could see what these people saw. So he thought he was in a rowboat on a lake fishing. I saw he was bored out of his skull, just like he was fishing. And I knew there was no water there, but he, I could see what he saw. He thought it was water because there is no water in hell, okay? And so what I could see, actually, he was sitting in this little cell, what looked like a boat, but the boat was a creature. He saw it as a boat. It was, it was a demonic entity given the illusion of a boat. Fishing pole was one of these creatures. So the line was and the hook, all that. And he's sitting there thinking he's fishing. And he, he would sit there and... Um, you know, and everything he would say to his wife or his kids, how he justified hunting and spent long hours out and carousing with his buddies and going these places and neglecting his family was coming back to haunt him. That's all he was doing. He was bored out of his skull, hearing this stuff. He wasn't getting any better. He was getting worse. His, how he created ruin was boiling to the surface. And so he walked on another cube and I saw... Uh, out in the distance, this tornado dropped this lady. She just died in a car wreck, and he knew that, and she plopped right in, down in front of this cube, and for some reason, she seemed mesmerized. She didn't know where she was, but when he got close to her, she knocked on the door. The door opened, and, uh, and it looked like her grandmother. I saw it as it was. It was a creature giving the illusion of a grandmother, and I wrote about it in my book, A Land Unknown, Hell's Dominion, in a chapter called Dear Pudding. I felt compelled to write this because this epitomizes a lot of what I saw there, and I want to talk about it just a little bit here and tell you what happened to the lady. So she opened the door, and grandmother said, Come on in, dear pudding. Uh, welcome to paradise. Come on in. We're going to come into the parlor here. Here's Uncle Joe. All the people that she knew that died, that she loved when she was a little girl, were there. And she was in a joyous, most joyous reunion. And her grandmother, this entity that appeared like her grandmother, said, 
oh, you're putting, can't you feel the love here? And she would say, oh, yes, Grandma, I feel the love here. But it was a sickly sweet kind of love, as I expressed in my book. The same kind of thing that first assailed me when I first arrived in hell, too. And I saw throughout here people who arrived here, and I only mentioned in this one lady, and never developed in other people in the book, because I, this is how the Lord had me write this, with this particular individual. So, um, so she was, what she felt was not so much a sickly sweet love, and I, it took me years, in fact, just recently to realize it's an enchanting love. It enchants you. It makes you think that you are in a utopia, that this relationship, uh, this drug, this alcohol is the way to go. It enchants you. And she was an enchantment going on here that she was experiencing this love that she never felt before. Because this was a place where she felt love before. The only time she ever felt love in her life, okay, was in her grandparents' place. And so here she's going, feeling this love, this awesome acceptance. And boy, if she was resuscitated by medical science, she would have got back and tell everybody to go to the light. Don't fear death. There's no hell at all. Everything is heaven. Everybody will make it. And she'll carry the same enchanting idea. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And I think that's why the Lord had me come back. One of the reasons is just to say that the enchanter, the devils are enchanters. They enchant you. It's like this image in your eyes that you see. I don't know if any of you ever bothered to watch this or not, but I happened to watch it, and I thought it was it was decent. It's not the best thing, but it was decent. It was the, uh, the what was it, um, the Rings of Power. So in the last episode of the season one, and I don't know why people hate this thing. It's just a, it's just a Hollywood version of whatever, of, of the Similarians. Uh, J.R. Tolkien, about 40 pages, and the guys took a lot of liberties, but, you know, who cares? And at the end of it, Sir, Sir Mon, uh, and, and was being hunted by Gadriel, the elf, you know, and, and, and he makes it to Rivendell or wherever it was, and he was instrumental in making the rings, uh, the rings of power, and told him how to do it because he was a smith, okay? And then Gadriel got something happened, and she found out that he, this was not who she thought it was. And then when she confronted him, it was Suriman, the one that she vowed to kill, and he was a shapeshifter, okay? And he was talking to her, and she says, you'll be my queen. you live with me in this paradise. And she was seeing all this imagery in her eye. That is the best portrayal of enchantment that I ever saw <laughs> in a movie. How it develops that you are going to utopia. Everything that you're doing, there, there's no, you know, you're not going to be punished. There's no recompense. That's lies. It's all good. Sit on bathroom mats, laugh, and sit up there and just feed off of this transmorphic being and let your mind wonder about that. You know, and you, you're thinking you're in paradise. In the last scene of the, um, Lord of the Rings, and then the, uh, the Wings of Power thing was Suramon, or Suramon, walking down toward Mordor. It was all desolation, but in his mind, it looked like paradise just for a brief clip. Gives you an idea what an enchanter is like. And these people were enchanted, and, you know, some of them 
get resuscitated too soon and they don't realize uh, where they were. They could have been nice people up in the upper echelons up there where the torments are not so bad. And they were there just long enough to bring the enchantment back to Earth. I'm just saying, all these after-death experience, if they sound too good to be true, you know it is. You know you're not going to buy a lemon from a used car salesman because he makes it sound like the cream of the crop, are you? But why do people want to buy the lies of every after-death experience that comes along that teaches that all is well, everybody makes it to heaven? All I could see is the same enchanting love that I saw being portrayed in this cell of dear pudding. So this lady was thinking that she was this love, this lovely, this love. Oh, she was in the best place ever. And then her grandmother said, come, I'll, I'll show you around. You got eternity here. Can't you feel the love? Kept saying that to her. Oh, grandmother, I feel the love. I remember her saying things like that. You know, broke the back porch and went outside. And she was inside of this cell. And I could see the look like the ground would move like a treadmill and the scene would change. But she really wasn't going anywhere. She was in a small cube. She thought she was all outdoors. She passed the clothesline, and just like her grandmother's farm, and grandma said, why don't you go over to your favorite spot here, pudding? I'm going to bake you your favorite cookies. You have all eternity here in paradise. And when I just remember that evil grandmother look, and I could see the spirit behind it, and this lady could not see that. She thought it was a smiling old nice lady, and it wasn't her grandmother at all. And <laughs> And so I'm sitting there watching this transpire as I'm looking in this, in this cube with this lizard creature hissing and, 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 and getting really excited about what's going on and, you know, motioning me to watch this and that. I'm, I'm watching this transpire, and she walks make a few feet, and to her it was like, you know, 20, 30 feet, just a few feet. And she sits down on a rock in her favorite spot by the stream and two tall trees there, and as she walked, she did start feeling something wasn't right. She could hear the whisper. She could hear something that didn't sound right. Uh, that something wasn't right. And she sat down and she stuck her hand in the water. There was no water there. It was just sand. She thought she saw water. That's when she began to realize something's not right. And the trees weren't trees. They were like uh, squid-like things with tentacles. And they grabbed her and she shrieked. And I mean, I just, I was, it just shocked me. And that lizard creature was all excited about this. I'm sitting there going, oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, watching this stuff. And I knew her life history. Everybody in the world would say this lady was a member of the PTA. She was the nicest lady you ever met. She, she, she won, you know, baking contests, so forth, et cetera. Just think of whatever you want. You know, this, this lady it was in the world, looked like the best person, whatever. But when, what they didn't see was the real her that her family saw. She would go to things. I, I remember this. She would say to her sons and daughters, you know, and their little kids, and says, Mommy, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a nurse. I want to be this. And, and she'd get out a hairbrush and say, You are not going to be a truck driver. You are not going to be a firefighter. You are going to be a doctor. Whack, 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 whack. You are going to be a dentist, darling, little girl. You're going to be a dentist. We don't have that kind in this family. Bam, bam, bam. And I, and I saw that. This lady wasn't too nice. She dominated her husband. She was vile and vicious on the inside, but portrayed this enchantment on the outside that she was the nicest person and fooled so many people. That, that 
cell made the most impact, and another that it made the most impact I wrote about, I won't get into it, but it was a serial killer, a molester of children. And I saw what happened to him. And he, uh, how the demons really tore that dude up, uh, I'm telling you. And uh, I, I saw ancient people, ancient times. And, you know, there's a temple outside a corner, and I, I it was Artemis or Diana, I can't remember which one escapes me, but they were worshippers up there. This was a temple prostitute with shaved hair, you know, shaved hair. I knew nothing about Bible. I knew nothing about Corinth. I didn't know any of this stuff. And, and everything I saw was verified by, by history, too. There was a temple up near Corinth, and um, but this lady would um, give birth to firstborn babies for the elite so they can put them to death. To achieve power, and um, that's what was going on there. And so all these babies gathered around her, and they weren't all her babies. And my God, and they they lit into her. Boy, I tell you, it's too. I can't even go into the details. You have to read my book. I tried to tone it down because the editors say you need to tone some of this stuff down. This is a Christian book, you know. All I'm doing is trying to tell you what it's like. So I did tone it down a bit. I had to. I see why. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's what I saw constantly. And I was constantly bombarded with uh, curse God for this place. You know, everything's God's fault. You know, just curse God and live. You can have the, you know, we're offering half the kingdom. I'm offering half the kingdom. And so we went in this place, and we, we uh, went in between the cubes because the cubes descended back to the deepest recesses of the pit. Like it says in the Bible, hell enlarges itself. I saw that. And we went into little areas. I can't even describe what they were. We came to this area that was a long corridor hallway. I wrote about it. I think it's page 89 and 81 in my book. And I saw people walking along the corridor. Some people knew where they were. Other people were enchanted thinking they were in some sort of paradise. And they're being escorted into these cells in this particular area and shoved in them or whatever, and these laughing maniac, demonic beings pushing them in. And um, I saw one person who, you know, Indian, you know, from India, uh, worshipped a, you know, Polythia gods, and I saw several of them like this. And I just mentioned briefly in this book, as a practicer of another religion. And he went in there, and there was this purple being with all these arms and an elephant thing, it was there, his deity that he worshipped. He thought he was in paradise in this Hindu, whatever they call it, you know, this uh, this paradise, you know, this utopia or something. And it wasn't. It got bad. He was enchanted. And then he woke up to what he saw. It held all kinds of things bad happened to him and I can't even go into. So I walk him through there and that's the type of things I was seeing. And then I, I came to this place, and I couldn't go any further. The creature just, just stopped, and I could see off in distance, roughly 300 to 400 yards away. That's a big cavernous, almost like a cathedral height ceiling of this place, in this particular place, in the back recesses of the pit, of this level of the pit where I was in. And, and there was a T intersection. I see people, floods of people walking in, and these beings, huge, tall beings, at this intersection, one pointing to the left with their hand, to the right, to the other, left, right, like that, 
there are three of them. And, you know, years later, you know, I stood on a slight hill overlooking a football field. I saw a goal post. It was about the same distance away. And I go, boy, those things were huge because they were reclining there, uh, lying down or sitting in a reclining position. If they, their heads would be about the middle of the goal post in a reclining position. And um, that means if they stood up, those things were huge. And they, were, they had chains on their feet. And I, I remember the ambiance that they, they projected was a sexual type thing, but it was an enchanting thing. And they were chained in this place, directing people to go to the deepest recesses of the pit right away, whereas others would go up to this hallway where we saw people entering and out. And then this creature didn't want to go to it to them. He was a little nervous, so he, he went back through like where the cubes are, we kind of squished between the cubes. They opened up these little rooms inside, all these creatures in there. I write about this in my book more than I can go into details now. Came back out to the wide, dusty road. It took a while to get there. We walked down farther, and we got to, um, I'm just going to kind of wrap this up real quick here because there's so much I could go into, but I'll spare you <laughs> some of the other things. But we got out, and this thing was just trying to entrap me. I could see all these people inside. It was a nightmare. And I wanted to wake up. All I could say was, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I was getting tired. I, was, I, I knew I deserved this place like you wouldn't believe because it was proved to me beyond doubt that I deserved this place. And so he motioned me. He took me, he took me to this other place where the cell was, and it was open. It was a little larger cell. It was open, and all these creatures were inside it. And there was a green dentist chair, and uh, in it. But the green dentist chair was a demon. And they were trying to get me in this cube, and I realized, oh, I can't explain this. You know, how can you explain eternal time? How can you explain what it's like to be dead? How can you explain a place like hell? This would be where the cube I entered in would end up eventually, and. So the wall was open, and all these creatures could go in and out at will. Then it dawned on me what he was saying. I offer you half my kingdom. What it meant, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm going to have the half the host of hell to torment you, buddy. That's your reward. Ha, ha, ha. That was the type of thing that was coming to me with his old lizard breath there. And and um, my feet were like in this, I call it dusty miry goo. I can't explain it. And then, like I said, little wormy things in it with teeth and moth fluttering up once in a while. And my, it was like a force was propelling me into this place in the dust, dusty mire. I call it mire, but it was like dust. I, it felt like riding flesh. It was dusty. doesn't make sense. Does it? But that's what it felt like. It was going over my feet real slowly. I mean, looking down and seeing it. And this was this is where I was going to spend eternity, folks. And um, this part kind of chokes me up if I start crying. After all these years, it always does. I'm starting to get a little shaky right now. Um, just, just bear with me for a second because it's kind of emotional for me right now. Um, um, because I knew this was it. I was totally without hope. There's no hope. This is it. This is what I deserve, and I knew it. I'd be sitting in this so-called dentist chair with half the host of hell coming and having their way with me. And nothing I can do about it. Thoughts would go across your mind, you know, 
like my mom and dad, they're going to have my funeral and and I have this, the preacher say that he was a good old boy. You know, I'm sure he made it to heaven and there's no way I could tell my parents I'm not in heaven. Nowhere I could tell anybody where I was. I wanted to, I couldn't. I was being dragged to the, the cell. And um, this was it, folks. No hope. This was it. In this life, yeah, you can be in a hopeless situation. If you're a Christian and they kill you, you go straight to heaven. You have hope. But here, there is no hope. And uh, most nothing. And then I felt a presence coming behind me, and I thought it was Satan himself going to pitchfork and throw me in this place because this is what I deserve. I was too afraid to turn around and look and see who was walking behind me because whoever walked behind me had great authority. The ground shook. You know, I, uh, I played pretty rough when I was a kid. We used to play cinnamon trash cans and light a few of them off, you know, two or three off at once and make a big hole in the ground and think that was cool, but the ground would shake. That's what it felt like was the ground would shake. But it was like a, uh, like a beat of a big drum, but without hearing the drum beat, but feeling the vibration of the ground was shaking every time this person was taking a footstep. The creatures inside got real scared and got loosed out of the cube. And um, I had no hope. All, you know, all I could see was this, and I was getting dragging, being dragged closer and closer to it. Then I felt the presence behind me, and I, I knew that <laughs> this is it, man. This is it for me. And then <laughs> my presence picked me up. Oh, Jesus, this is so hard for me to <laughs> do. I try not to cry. I'm glad this is not a, um, <laughs> a scream right now. God, this is radio. You gotta bear with me. But he picked me up in his arm like a little kid. And I saw a whole hole in his wrist when they pulled apart. Isaiah chapter 22 talks about somebody known as Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified and his bones were pulled out of his joint. My God, I saw I pulled his bones out of his joint. Though I wasn't there at the crucifixion, I crucified him, proven by how I lived in this life, and that I deserved this place. But here he put his arms around me, picked me up like a baby, and I cried in his shoulder like I never cried before. And he carried me out of there. And he went back to the same tunnel vortex that I entered in this place by, came back to the same rock that I saw in the distance when I arrived there, hang on, and he sat me down on it. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I really am. I'm trying to keep a straight face with this. I really felt what love was. I had an understanding of what he went through on the cross. Probably I carry that message to this day, wherever I go. And he set my feet down <laughs> and he spoke to me. I guess the option to be decided was that I was coming back. And he told me explicitly, you know, um, this is all for his glory, not mine. This is not about me, it's about Jesus, the one sent to rescue us. And um, that and then one day I would tell people, and he said at a point in time, you will tell people about this. That's all he said. And um, he grew on me, and I went back to the dark void, 
Um, and the light got, you know, a little got smaller and smaller, went backwards. I could hear the same music explaining the mysteries of God and his character traits and the beauty of who he is, his nature and how, oh, man, how good God is. And there's no more human words can express it. Uh, um, but anyway, I was floating back through there, and I entered in through the ceiling, back to the saw the fingerprint in the, the wall, floated back feet first into my body, and I couldn't breathe, and all the pain came back. Fever hit me like a ton of bricks. And I do not know from after I got up, I could not breathe. All I remember somebody hitting me on the back of my back, and my neighbor. Uh, next thing I remember standing outside on the outside porch leaning against something while the neighbor was frantic getting me, getting his truck and throwing me inside of his truck and taking me to the hospital. I um, remember uh, falling over and my head was hitting the glove box and my and the neighbor saying, I don't even remember his name, saying, you hang in there, buddy, hang in there, buddy, hang in there, buddy. We're almost there, buddy. Hang in there. Don't, don't go on me. Hang in there. And, and my head would hit the the glove glove box, metal glove box of this old truck, and going, and yet I was floating above the truck. I died several times, and I float above the truck, and I thought this is cool. I didn't have any pain then. I was floating above the car, watching this guy run red light after red light, almost get hit by a Ford Falcon. And so after I got back, and I, I mentioned to him, you know. Why did you run all those red lights and you almost got hit by a red falcon? You couldn't understand it. My head was down and well, I couldn't see anything and my head was hitting the glove box at an angle, you know, almost like laying almost on his lap. And uh, he's holding me up. Well, I didn't, I didn't want to tell him I was floating above the cab and it was pretty cool. Didn't have my glasses on, could see Christine, Christine clear and it got me into the hospital and I don't remember too much, but going into the emergency room, and then uh, they got frantic. I remember they were frantic, and then they tried to draw blood, and uh, this doctor said his blood's viscous, and that. And so there's a doctor from India there, ER doctor, and he came in there and and got an IV, and they wanted to draw blood to see what I had couldn't draw it so they got an IV on me and this is before they had pumps so uh, this nurse was squeezing it's like this is memory of this nurse squeezing a bag of saline solution in my arms you know just standing there very patiently looking at her watch squeezing it and squeezing a little more very patiently I I hacked off the nurses who did that back in the day and they they were able to take some blood a little bit after that find out what I had and so this doctor from India India probably seen cholera before they take your skin and pinch it, you know. It was weird. You pinch your skin. And it, it, weird thing it did, you know. I, there's no elasticity to your skin. That <laughs> um, he would do. And so I got diagnosed. They got my IV. They did some medication. I do not remember how long I was in the hospital. I could have been overnight. All I know is back at the house next morning. I do not remember too much because you know, they, they try to dope me up to make me sleep because I was in a lot of pain. And um, when I left, they gave me paragoric, a free vials of paragoric. Paragoric, I guess, is, is opium or something. 
and it clogs you up, you know. So I had to take one before I left, one uh, two vials to take home with me and take them at night. And they stop you up. But I'll tell you, it does work. A little blue te- stuff in the bottom of the test tube. Didn't taste too good. And I was told to drink, don't drink citrus juice, drink like Gatorade, apple juice, stuff like that. Get your electrolytes back up. And so that's what I did. So I recovered. And so the, the guys that I went into rooms to were there. My buddies were there. And they were shaking their heads like everybody knew something bad happened. I wouldn't tell them what happened. I was too, like, you're not going to believe what happened if I told you. And so <laughs> um, I sat there, and they they went on to work that day, and I had to, you know, I couldn't do nothing. So I just sat in a beanbag chair, and I said, uh, I looked up, and my dog was really happy to see me. My dog was exceedingly happy to see me. And my dog was sitting next to me. I was petting her, sitting on the beanbag chair we had in the living room. And this is Tucson, Arizona. Didn't have air conditioning. We had a swamp cooler. It was 94 degrees in there. Outside, probably about 104, 103. But about there. To me, as you live in Tucson, that's cool. But, you know, I digress. But anyway, I'm sitting in this, this house, uh, in this duplex there, and I'm just petting my dog. And they left the door, and they, they drove off. Uh, everything was weird to me, you know, because I was on paracord, I guess. But anyway... Um, I just sat there and I, I looked around and I, I, I just, I just sat in the beanbag chair. And I said, uh, Lord Jesus, um, I never want to go back to that awful place. Take me. I'm yours. I owe you my life. That was my salvation prayer. I'm in it. I wasn't playing games. Does that mean I was Christine perfect after I that? No. I had an alcohol problem to resolve. It took about a year, a little over a year to get over that. Every time I drank, I felt so condemned that the Holy Spirit would condemn me. Every time I uh, drank, every time I smoked a joint, I was condemned. I felt it. You shouldn't be doing this. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to go to hell or anything. It was like you open the door for something bad to happen if you keep doing this. That's what was coming to me. So it took me, took me a little while to get over that. And when I finally went back to church, I had people in the church who helped me get over my alcoholism, <laughs> literally, let <laughs> the truth be known. And they threw me out of church when I came to church drunk, playing and beating on a piano. They they loved on me and got my head straight. I, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a Southern Baptist church, too, a fire-bleeding uh, Baptist church. And I went to, and then went over went over to a church of God later on uh, because the youth group said, hey, there's something going on at this place. So I went over there, and was, I didn't know anything about Pentecostals or church of, church of God, Assemblies of God, anything like that. I went over there, and, these, and boy, things are going on. Hallelujah. So that's where I ended up going after that. And all these people... Um, we had broken lives. We were we weren't perfect, but God worked on us and basically got sanctified. It took time, and it took time to come out of the ways of the world. And like everything else does, it's a, it's a journey. So I went through that journey too. But in my journey at this church, I began. Um, I was put in charge as a head intercessor. I was street witnessing. I worked at a as buildings and ground in a, in a department store. 
I also had a cleaning business I was starting, which was a window cleaning business at the same time. I was heavily involved in this church, too, and street witnessing. I was in the praise band, ran the soundboard. I, I did not want to ever go back to hell, so I was trying to keep myself saved. I was kind of a fool to think that. Um, I didn't really trust Jesus, I guess, to keep me, you know, um, you know, safe from all harm, I guess, you know. And so I just basically driven out of fear. I better do this or that. Because also I, was, I had post-traumatic stress. I'm going to conclude with this, this last little part here. So at a busy night, we had uh, a series of revival meetings. It was last night. It was Sunday night. And I had to get up super early in the morning. I lived 40 minutes outside of town. And I had to drive a 40-minute drive to town to get to my regular job. And here, you know, I was doing the soundboard. And I thought they have a few baptisms. No, they had 30. It took, well, you know, it was getting past midnight before everything ended. And then I had to put the sound equipment. I, everybody in there bailed on me. I was not in a very holy mood. I was in a sour mood. I tell you, I was in a so sour mood ever to it. Got back to, to to where I lived at, settled in, got my dog taken care of. I had neighbors take care of my dog while I was out. You know, got my dog fed and all that and um, got settled down. And then it happened. This was about three years later, three and a half, somewhere around there. And I was in a very bad mood. The, the room lit up bright and white, and I heard a booming voice said, Awake, arise, stand to your feet. And I said, Shut, you know, the blank up. I need my sleep. I got to get up in the morning. And I snapped out of it, and my dog was exceedingly happy. And then it happened two other times. I had the same response. Last time, I thought, well, and I said, I'm not getting up. I got to go to work. And I, and then light went out, and I said, oh, my God, I missed the rapture. So I opened up the back door, <laughs> trying to see what happened. And, um, and it got real peaceful. I felt the presence before. This is Jesus's presence. And uh, I didn't see anybody. I just heard a voice, a still quiet voice, real quiet. I said, do you remember how you left before? I said, yes, yes, sir, yes, <laughs> I do. So I went back to lay down on my back, pet my dog as I was getting ready to lie down. And it looked like somebody was standing there petting my dog because her pointy German shepherd ears were going down, and she was exceedingly happy. Oh, gosh, I've never seen my content and peaceful and happy and well-behaved, too. And um, and I mean, my head hit the pillow. I was out of the body. I don't know. I the Lord took me to heaven. The only reason He took me to heaven was to calm me down about seeing hell. I want to end on that note because I just finished my book that has taken. Let me see. It's about my experience of seeing heaven, and it took me at least 20 years to write this book. And people go, "Why did it take you so long?" Because it was personal. You know, a lot of what I wrote can't be uttered. You know, what, I mean, what I saw can't be uttered. So what I wrote, I had, uh, you know, I, I was cautious about what can I write? And how could I write this in such a way to express what I saw? I had trouble. So I got two-thirds of the book done and put it aside because it just wasn't flowing. And then I did a testimony. My whole testimony was with a brother in Christ. For his show that's gone basically went viral. I didn't even know it at the time. It was Randy K Ministries, and you can see it on Randy K's Ministries that interview. Just 
with Randy K's ministries, and you'll see it right there. <laughs> like, uh, it's getting close to one, one and a half million views. And, and so after that, I, I told Randy about it, and I, you know, I felt convicted. I better finish the book. I keep telling people, and I even shared all my testimony about heaven and places, what he allowed me to share. But So I finished the book. It's with a publisher right now. It's in all the stages. Um, all the approval stages have been completed. We're going to be editing soon, and I can't wait to get started to get this book out. And, and I don't know the real title. We picked out three titles. It could be Heaven Beckons. It could be he- Destination Heaven. I have no idea what the title is because um, I'm terrible at picking titles. Maybe the publisher will get a better title than than I could do. You know, we'll work that out. Um, so that will be coming out. But in the meantime, the book I'm talking about, my first book I wrote, and it was a land unknown, hell's dominion. And it's based off notes that I took right after the event happened, which I compiled and wrote a manuscript that I sent to a cousin who typed, and uh, it was 40 pages. I said, nobody's going to read this. I mean, this, I mean, this is boring. And uh, that's what I thought, you know. And so I put that manuscript aside. Then all of a sudden, um, I felt the urge, you know, it was time to write a book. Because everyone tell me, you told your testimony, you traveled all over the place, you said your testimony, put it in a book, put it in a book. All these pastors, all these people, put it in a book. So I did. So I got my uh, my book is called A Land Unknown Hills and Indians by D.W. Melvin. You can find it on Amazon.com or a Christian publisher somewhere or order it from your bookstore. And just look it up on Amazon so you know the cover and write down the details. A Land Unknown Hills and Indians by D.W. Melvin, and you'll see it. And, and you can get yourself a copy. That would you know be appreciative. <laughs> Helps pay the bills, I can tell you that. Who doesn't need help paying bills, <laughs> especially with the the Biden inflation or the World Economic Forum inflation that is going to do the Great Reset? But I digress. I better let me, I better let John back in. I can talk all night talking about the Great Reset, but I'll spare you all. Oh, yeah. Praise God. Well, <laughs> New World Order, Great Reset, Great Tribulation, give it whatever name you want to give it. It's, we're heading at it like at light speed right now, it seems like. But anyway, praise God. What a powerful rendition of your testimony. It, you know, you, you you feel led, and I love that, uh, you know, to share different things, you know, each time we bring you on the program. And it just expands our understanding of so many different dynamics. I cannot wait until your uh, book on heaven comes out, um, uh, you know, and and folks, just to remind you, um, uh, he, he, um, Brother Brian writes under B.W. Melvin, and uh, so that makes it easier to find the books. And he's talking about um, Heaven Beckons or possibly Destination Heaven, but again, maybe the name will change. Um, I, I would love it if you would email me or Sister Nancy or whatever and let us know when you have a, a title because we'd like to get that information out to everybody. Um, but anyway, thank you so much. Is it, do you have a way for if people want to get in touch with you, like uh, via email or through a website or whatever, do you have a way that folks can get in touch with you right now, Brian? Oh yes, um, I have a website. It's it's an old website. It's outdated, and I'm trying to you know raise capital up to upgrade it to a more modern one. But it's After Hours Ministries. It's all one word, A F T E R, 
ours, H-O-U-R-S, and ministries, plural, M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S, dot com. And has my contact information and links to my YouTube channel called The Christian Marauder as well, and other things. And I'm, and I'm working on it. It's on, i got to revitalize it. A lot of material that I interviewed was um, deleted by, um, you, know, you know, YouTube <laughs> censored. And um, for the content that I had talking about certain items that are no longer, well, you know, about COVID or uh, on January 6th, I, uh, um, they went back and canned me for that. <laughs> what can I say? Um, anyway, hey, well, look at the, so good, look at the good side. You didn't get thrown in jail. So, no, I didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah praise yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On January sixth, I was reporting what I saw as I was watching it on TV. I go, "Ah, oh, these guys just waved these guys in. Why aren't the guards stopping these guys from beating down the door? Why do they have cameramen there right. filming it? I mean, what is yeah, going on? Have... Here? That's what I was saying in the video. I was watching it live. Yeah, and they, no, it was a setup. It, it was a total setup. Yeah, no, it was a total setup. It was a false flag event. It was done by crisis actors. Uh, I have I have a video uh, that's a compilation um, of about two hours of video from the inside of the uh, actual uh, you know uh, Capitol complex as things are unfolding, and you can tell that they're all acting. You can tell that the that the the supposed woman that died she didn't die. You could see her moving around on the gurney when they were pulling her out of the back of the room. The whole thing was a complete setup, and um, and then the top it all off they also had mind control boxes that were mounted on tripod you know uh, 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 tran- it, it just they're big obvious imposing uh-huh. cubular cube shaped you know so they had those there they had the uh, they had and all this stuff was pre-staged okay so they had the uh, facial recognition s- uh, system set up all over the place so the whole thing was staged it was pre-planned they it was loaded with crisis actors and and it was it was a total setup um the guy's video that i got my hands on um he's he's got you know multi multi millions i don't know maybe 1.5 million to 2 million uh subscribers on youtube which by the way means that's a full-time job for that person and um and uh-huh. youtube came after YouTube came after him. They said, get, get this down right away. Change it. And, and I had literally downloaded his evidentiary video that proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that the whole thing was set up with crisis actors and it was a false flag. Okay, that's what this guy did. But YouTube went after him. And he changed this whole story and completely converted it into this, you know, uh, into the, you know, to, to align with the uh, shape-shifting entities, uh, you know, uh, desired uh, uh, satanic narrative. Okay, but, you know, but we're all, at this point, we're all, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't want this to sound defeatist, but at this point, I just embrace Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is yeah. in heaven. We're watching God's uh-huh. movie go by. Our job has really nothing to do with getting involved with any of this noise. Okay, at the end of the day, the uh-huh. only reason we really pray, pray for our leadership, and, and you know, as far as governments are concerned, is so that we're able to lead a peaceful life, help the widows, visit the, the orphans, you know, pray for people, which is where the real power of God come, is brought down upon the earth, and change people's lives through our behavior uh, as Jesus, out of out of uh, you know uh, unlimited love and compassion, and that's who we are. We're not part of this earth. We're not supposed to. 
to partake a part of this earth. And, and, and in the book of James, God warned us that if you're friends with earth, you are at enmity with me. Okay, and I don't know about anybody who's listening to this program right now, but based upon what I just heard B.W. Melvin tell us tonight, I don't want to be at enmity with God for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> okay? I think it, I think this is an open and shut case. Jury dismissed. <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you, man. We, we're getting hoodwinked. We're getting taken for a global satanic crime syndicate ride. The, the toboggans have been thrown down the hills. And there's this notion, and it's a false notion, there's this notion that you know, Republicans being in power in the Congress or whatever the case is is somehow going to change the damage that's already been done? No. It's irreversible. We're in I'm stage sorry. four I'm death right, right yeah. now. We're in a, you know what I mean? It, it, mm-hmm. There's nothing they can do to reverse the damage that's been done by, by Obama. I call it the Obama-Biden entities, okay, which are taking their orders from the WEF, which are taking their orders from the Blue Blood Royalty, which are taking their orders from the Draco Reptilians, which are taking their orders from Satan, and into the whole, it's all in the Bible, and the thing about it is, it's, God isn't, look, if God came this far, if God lifted his hand of protection off the earth to allow a bioweapon attack against mankind that killed over uh, yeah, 46,000 people outright and uh, maimed for life another 263,000 people, which was a count from about a week ago from the European Bears database, God allowed mm-hmm. that to happen. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, during the days of prosperity, be, be, be joyful, but recognize that when the bad days come, know that they both come from the Lord. Okay, so we got to understand who's in control. Our Father is in control. He has lifted his hand of protection off of this earth. The pandemic was the worst judgment brought upon the earth since Noah's flood. Now, somehow, when I look at all these things happening, I have a really hard time imagining that our Heavenly Father would allow this many bad things to happen to the people of the earth and then say, oh, whoopsie-daisy, I'm going to go ahead and bring Donald Trump in and everything's going to be hunky-dory and we're going to hold hands and sing kumbaya. <laughs> that does not make sense to me. You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't. No, yeah, I know what you mean. It doesn't. Yeah, Trump's it not doesn't. I... Jesus is our Savior. Amen, brother. And did you know that the Rev? I believe with all of my heart that we are deep. We are deep in Revelation chapter six. Which, by the way, if you align it, if you take Revelation chapter six and you overlay it across the Olivet Discourse, you know I always like to use the uh, the overhead projector analogy, right? Remember when you were in school and they wanted to show you how, like, uh, uh, you know, yeah. different ge- 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 geometric, you know, shapes and stuff would align with one another. Well, I I always tell people take take the Olivet Discourse. Take Revelation chapter 6 and lay them over the top of one another and just adjust them because they align perfectly. And what's fascinating, you know, I have sitting across in 1972, I bought a, a 33 and a half LP album from a, a 800 number that was on probably, who knows, maybe Jim Baker or whatever. But anyway, and it was from Jack Van Impey and it was entitled The, War, the Coming War with Russia. It was a red album. And I bought that a year after I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of 10, and I sat there with my little mm-hmm. Pioneer SX380 and my turntable, and I listened to that thing like it was life or death. And I, and I have that same album sitting here in the office with me. Read the second seal. Behold a red horse. Okay, and, his, and, and he was given a sword to bring death upon the earth. Okay, what we're seeing are the throws, the early throws. Listen, guess what the, the, um, uh, Putin's army? called it's called the red army 
It's called the Red Army. The, the, behold a red horse. All the things that are happening right now, they're in progress. You know, and people will say things like, and I used to be one of them, okay, so I'm just saying, you learn stuff. And, and you know, and you say, well, well, there's a reason why God made it the first seal, the second seal, third seal, fourth seal, fifth seal, sixth seal, seventh seal, because they're going to happen in order. But here's the thing that, I did, that didn't occur to me. Jesus can snap all the seals on the scrolls open at the same time, and they can start to roll together in parallel. So what we're seeing right now is the global financial collapse taking place simultaneously with all the stuff we were worried, warned about in the Olivet Discourse. Pestilence, famine, uh, you know, wars, rumors of wars, uh, you know, uh, 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 earthquakes in diverse places. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Acts 2, uh, 20, uh, 2 um, uh, 17 through 21. Blood, fire, vapor, smoke, and all those who called out upon, you know, what is blood, fire, vapor, smoke? It's volcanoes. We have more volcanoes popping off across the world than any, I mean, it's, we are in the throes of the end times right now, and everybody's sitting there on their hands, staring at Israel, going, well, I thought there was supposed to be a red heifer that was going to get killed in a big new Solomon's temple. And they're going to miss, because it has nothing to do with that. That temple is the temple body. Okay, when, it, when Jesus said, uh, you know, when you see the desolation, or the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, let the reader beware, he was letting us know it has nothing to do with the temple temple building. It has everything to do with a human body. That is the holy temple in the New Testament. And when the abomination of desolation incarnates into the Antichrist, that is when Satan incarnates into, and in my personal opinion, it's Obama. And he's still front and center manipulating everything that is going on in the world. We are so close right now. The only reason, the only reason I think, the only landmark um, scripture that I can find, and I don't, I do not agree. I don't agree with Tim Hey, I do not agree with uh, Chuck Misler. I do not agree with any of the end times experts. And I've, I've studied under all of them. I've spent thousands on their materials. I, I, my hands were practically bleeding with dark purple indentations from taking notes on mead notebooks. I've been there, done that, read the books, and I've come to the conclusion they're all wrong. And and check it out. The end of the third seal, it's, what does it say? It says, do not harm the oil or the wine. That is a direct reference to the bride of Jesus Christ. It matches perfectly the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. So if you're not supposed, if the angel... If, if, if the global financial collapse, the starvation, all that stuff that's going to come from the collapse of the petrodollar, which we see it's a work in progress, it's happening right now, uh-huh. then, and the Bible says don't harm the oil or the wine, what that tells me is the bride of Jesus Christ is going to be on the earth until at uh-huh. least the end of the third seal. Because otherwise, why warn the angel not to harm the oil or the wine? We're here. So I'm telling people, uh-huh. folks, it's time to get excited because this is work in progress. We're seeing the global financial collapse. We're seeing more and more and more and more countries almost every single week joining BRICS. We came very close to running out of diesel fuel. If that ever, if, now, that, now, they pulled it off. They got another shipment in, and we're, we're cruising right along. But right now, we, they, we run out of diesel. Petrodollar is going to collapse. Banking systems are going to collapse. Right now we're sitting on, get this, two quadrillion 
dollars of derivatives debt from the top banks in the housing market right now. Before it was just billions in 2008. Now it's two quadrillions. Okay, you, that's a tailspin. You don't come out. You're not going to like climb out of the back window and throw water on the vertical stabilizer of your 737 Max and say, "Oh, we're going to land just fine." There's that's a tailspin. You're not coming out of, man. Okay, so we're there. It is so exciting. Finally, don't you think so? I mean, all the the refiners fire that we had to go through, all the things that you've had to go through. I'm sure that your testimony. As, as deep and definitely incredibly elucidating and, and, and edifying as it is, you probably have had plenty of things that you had to go through, even in your, your daily life, after the testimony. Mm-hmm. Are, you know what I mean? We're all going through refiner's fire. God's preparing us all for the days that we have to face ahead. And um, that, 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 like the Bible says, there ain't no chastening that's good to go through at the time that you're going through it. But you know what? When you look back on it, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, yeah. I, I beg God. I'm like, Father, please. If there is something that I need to learn, if there is a, a lesson that I need, if there's something that needs to be yanked out of my hand, if you've got to burn down my house, if you've got to kick me into the street, whatever it takes, don't let me miss. I remember when you were t- giving your testimony and you were going like, "What did I miss the rapture?" I know, I know that thought. That's 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 something you definitely don't don't want to miss, right? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I, I anyway, did you want to? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, go, oh, go ahead. ahead. There's a delay. I just I was going to say, yeah. It says we're living in interesting times. I'm for sure. We're definitely heading spinning into the end times faster than anybody ever anticipated. Well, the other thing is, and I try because the first half of the 11 years that I've been doing this, approaching 12, I was the opposite of the way that I am now. Okay. To me, if there was a rapture bubble and everybody thought the rapture would be next week, I would jump on the, I'd be on the rapture bubble train. I'd be like, yay, we're going to leave, you know, and then over time. The Lord whacks you up on side the head, you know, with a few frying pans, uh, a number of very huge milestones pass by, blood moons, books being written, people making claims, all this kind of stuff. Nothing happens. For 11 Mm -hmm. years, pretty much, of doing this program, quite frankly, nothing happens. Nothing. All right. So, I mean, I have I probably collected more than 100, quote, prophets or people who receive dreams from God or visions. More than 100 that said that Obama was not going to leave the presidency and that they were going to institute martial law and he would maintain control over 100. I'm pretty sure I have all of them saved, too. And it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. I'm not being negative. What I'm doing is I'm saying to people, folks, let's watch what's in the Bible. Let's watch what we know is going to happen. Let's watch it unfold. Let's be ready. Let's draw in closer to Jesus. Let's become more intimate with him. Let's clean up our acts. Let's self-examine constantly. Repentance is all day long. It's not every week. It's all day. And it is mm-hmm. our walk. It's who we are, and we need to find Mm -hmm. that place. And you know what? The golden goose egg, for me anyway, is trust. 
the only way I can sleep at night with all the um, refiner's fire I have to go through, the only way I can sleep at night is I had to be brought to a place where I just finally let go. You know what I mean? A place where you realize you've got no control, no control at all, and the only way you truly have peace is to just let it let God be God. Trust him. Remember, like to your testimony's point, when you were given the testimony about all the times that you were saved from a car wreck, you know, all these different things, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to my whole life. I'm going like, oh, my gosh, why would God let any of us go through all these things, save us so many times, and then when, it, when, when the time is the most crucial of all right now, forget about us. Jesus' hands, we are in our Father's hands. And unless we jump out of their hands, we're safe. We just need to draw in closer and learn to trust God so that we're not testing him. Psalm seventy-eight, forty-one. And again, again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. We don't want to be limiting the Holy One of Israel. We don't want to be doubting God. We want to be trusting him. And that's when we get all the benefits. We get all the protection. We get all the angelic, you know, uh, escorts and the whole Psalm 91 thing comes together. And But anyway, would, would you would you be kind enough to, um, and, and, and folks, again, if you want to reach out to um, Brother Melvin, um, uh, you know, you can go to, um, uh, just look for um, uh, After Hours, I afterhoursministry.com so there that's the main yeah. website you can also look for vw melvin on youtube and then um you'll be able to find his books at you know just type in bw bw melvin into amazon and believe me you're, you're going to get hit i try, i tested all of it and he comes up all over the place um would you close with a prayer for us tonight brother what a powerful testimony thank you so much sure will Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now, Lord. We ask you to cleanse each person here listening to us with the blood of Jesus and draw them. If they don't know you, draw them into the kingdom of God. Just ask, Lord, that you begin to convict them and, and draw them into the kingdom. And Lord, let them pray a simple prayer that will get them started and help them to find people that they can help them. I just ask that in Jesus' name because, Lord, I just ask for people to be saved tonight. And, and Lord, I just thank you right now that you watch over Brother John and Sister Nancy and their ministry. Let's ask that you protect both of us and our families from, uh, as we do get attacked because we're out on the front lines. And when you do minister, even your pastors in your churches that are really preaching the Bible, pray for and We ask for their protection as well. And any minister who's worth their liquor salt teaching the remnant to be the remnant, please ask, Lord, that you protect them all. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for saving me. I thank you for saving those tonight. In Jesus' name. And any of you right now want to know who Jesus is, you know, uh, it is just a simple prayer. You can just say like I did, Lord Jesus, take me, I'm yours. You know, I owe you my life. And you can just spend some time with the Lord, go over things with him, talk to him like you do your friend, ask him to make you born again. I just ask you to do that after we get off the air and spend some time with God. Even if you doubt that God exists, just ask him, prove. Just ask him to prove that he exists to you. Prove that Jesus is real. Come on, take up the challenge and do that in, 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 a, in a time of prayer and see what happens to you. 
with that, brother, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. Praise God. Amen. And yes, and just remember, folks, the reason why we don't hear God's voice is because we're really just not listening closely enough. As Albert Einstein said, there is no such thing as a coincidence. It is God's way of staying anonymous. Key it up. Listen closely. Look at the street signs that are going by. Talk to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit. If anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given to them. James 1.5. God bless you all. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Thank you, Brother Melvin, uh, for joining us. What a powerful testimony. God bless you. Let me take a look. It's November the 27th of 2022. And believe it or not, folks, we're still in for a ride. So hang in there, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, don't let yourself get disappointed. You know, if you if you if you choose to jump on the rapture bubbles that are going to spring up all over the place, these are going to these are otherwise good meaning Christians who believe they're hearing from God and they're telling you that the rapture is going to be next week. It's going to be three weeks from now. It's going to be this next. You know, it's going to be December 25th or whatever the case is. Folks, I'm just letting you know from experience over a decade, hundreds and hundreds Chances are it isn't going to happen like that. As a matter of fact, every major event that has happened, and I won't list them all out, none of them did we see coming. So let's just be ready for the for that which we are unable to track, only knowing that the time is upon us. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Melvin. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Lord willing. God bless you all. Good night, brother. Thank you. Good night. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. <laughs> 